0: Welcome to x ray Movies.
1: This is a movie podcast by two guys who used to date and now they don't. I'm one half of your hosting team Matthew Fisher. I'm the other half, Ryan Whedon. And that sound you heard was us popping a bottle of Dom Perignon, 1884.
0: Was that the good year? That was the best year. Oh, was it? Yeah. You can be like, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> you know, they had better years. They yeah. had worse years. Where would a gentleman of leisure find a bottle of such things in, in the city, in in this grand cosmopolitan metropolis we call Seattle? Well, you
1: see, I started off with a red paperclip,
0: <laughs>
1: and I traded my way, bartering. You traded up all the way to a
0: bottle of Don Perignon eighteen. Yeah. <laughs> all right uh, uh paint a picture for me sure what were your ter- first two or three trades you had a red paper clip where did you come across this paper clip
1: um uh, i just i start that's where i started i had a red the, paper clip
0: you, it was already here did you buy it did you find it i
1: found it on the ground on my desk <laughs> well behind the desk okay it was on the ground behind the desk uh are you assuming that you bought it or that you stole it like how did you probably came off of something that somebody gave me i don't really buy colorful paper clips okay so you got it for free
0: is is the bottom line okay Mm -hmm. and what was the first thing you traded it for um a credit card (laughs) yeah wow really (laughs) Full on, not even like a gift card. You traded it for a, a, someone's credit card, not yes. your own. You, you didn't go to a bank and was like, "Excuse me, I'll give you this paper clip <laughs> for a line of credit." No,
1: it was Jeff Bezos's <laughs> credit card.
0: Oh wow! Yeah. Did you trade it with Jeff himself? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How did you come across Jeff? I was just walking around, and you just stumbled across him. I saw him.
1: He walked by my window. I shouted out, "Hey, hey, hey Baldy!" <laughs> I'll give you this paper clip for something. And he pulled
0: out his wallet. He's like, oh, I've got us this credit card. How did you know he wanted the paper clip? I didn't. I just thought I'd try. You didn't see him with loose papers? <laughs> I mean, like, if only there was some way to contain these.
1: Yusa, you look like you're in the need of a red paper clip. <laughs> you pull it out and like, dings. <laughs> he was very grateful. And so, yeah, he gave me his credit card. And, and he's like, how
0: much could a paper clip cost? <laughs> It's priceless. Everything's organized. Why have I never thought of this before? I couldn't put a price tag on the the organizational skills that this has afforded me. <laughs> so he just like gave you a credit card as a thank you. Yes,
1: and then I traded the credit card for the bottle of wine. <laughs> you gave it to
0: the sommelier, and you're just like, "Give me, give me a bottle of bubbles." And that's the one he gave me. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, red
1: paperclip to Don Perignon.
0: Wow. That's that's a master uh, in like three steps from yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, I you're tried good.
1: The, you're good. I tried the paper clip at the wine store. Didn't go over well. So. <laughs> yeah. I knew I had, to, I had to do one more step. Are
0: least. you sure Jeff Bezos didn't ask you to like buy more paper clips and he was like giving you a business card? Oh. Ooh. I mean that's what I would have done. Sometimes tells me boy, more than You boy, I those. don't
1: have time to go buy these.
0: Give me the biggest box of red paperclips you can find. And there's no way that Jeff Bezos knows how to shop, yeah. than finding strangers and giving them credit cards. If only there was a way I could do this online.
1: He was mumbling something to himself about uh, being visited by three ghosts the night before. Yeah. So yeah, something about that. Okay. Does Scrooge Scrooge gives that boy money to buy that goose, right? He yeah, he, yeah like he throws tossing. down, like, a thing of, like, coins. That's right, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Buy the biggest Christmas goose you can, which, honestly, if it's Christmas Day, you're getting bottom-of-the-barrel geese. Well, yeah, and why is the geese store open? If, well, they didn't have paid holidays back then.
1: Hmm, that's true, yeah.
0: Uh, so, yeah, uh, uh, cheers real quick. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was waiting for you, it's fine. God damn it. <laughs> cheers!
1: <sighs> Matt, this is episode one, two... 200
0: (laughs) yeah good job quickest count to 200 you're like (laughs) but trevi phantom of the paradise
1: hold on let me get through these this is a milestone it is a milestone it's a big one i remember somewhere along the line we were comparing episodes to floors
0: of a skyscraper so we're on the 20th floor now we're on the 200th floor if each episode is a floor oh i thought every season was a floor
1: Oh, no, that's not a very impressive building. (laughs) I could see a 20-story building out my window if I want.
0: I don't know. Every episode's a floor. But, like, isn't each episode, like, a room on the floor? I guess you could think of it that way. All right, let's try this again. Every
1: episode is $5. Okay, $1,000. Yeah. 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 Sure. I mean, if it was like a dollar, that's like two hundred dollars. I mean, I could use two hundred dollars. Don't get me wrong, but you know,
0: Ryan's got his multiplication tables out in front of him. It's like one, two. What if it? What if it's like two
1: fifty? Then it's five hundred dollars, and now we're now we're talking. Well, what
0: if it's four fifty?
1: Yeah, I don't know what that math
2: is.
0: (laughs) Is that eight hundred dollars? It's more than that. Be nine hundred dollars. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean now we're talking. <laughs> yeah, now we're now we're now we got some scratch. Yeah, all right. So every episode is four fifty. <laughs> and uh I mean think of all that all the paper clips you could buy with nine hundred dollars. Oh my god. If only there was, you know, uh, uh an equal number of Jeff Bezos's for you to trade those paper clips to. Mm, he's probably working on it. There's probably clones of him somewhere in a warehouse. You really? You'd think he'd want to compete with himself? I think he'd want replacements. Yeah, but it's not like the prestige or something like where it's all for like a grand trick. Like one would have to die. Would his soul get cloned? Yes. And his memories? Yep. It all gets downloaded to the next clone. Oh, okay. Do they kill the the original? When he gets old enough, yeah, that's that's what they're gonna do. Do they age at different rates? No. Does he get cloned at the age that he the the? Yeah, he
1: gets cloned every. Well, they have to grow it, so he keeps, like, as soon as this technology came out, he's like, all right, let's get a baby going.
0: Uh, so he, it, it starts over from scratch each time.
1: Yeah. Oh. But then they can a, download a lot the, of work. the memories into it. Uh, they the, make it read, The the Story of Me by Jeff Bezos.
0: But, do like, how often do they have to do that? Like, do they put all the memories in them right away, or does he have to reach a certain age? Yeah, they're raising them. For like, when, At what point are the memories downloaded? Mm-hmm. That's, I mean,
1: see, this is the technology part of it that I don't fully understand.
2: Well, you,
0: already at, like, ten minutes. <laughs> do, you, do you think that, like, there's, like, trauma in there? Like, they download, like, all the bad memories, too, and they don't know Oh, how yeah. To, like, Otherwise, it wouldn't be Jeff. But then they, they don't know how to deal with it because they haven't had the life experience and the time. I know. So it's, like, a lifetime of trauma condensed into, like, one you know, Matrix-like upload session. Yeah, that's hard, huh? <laughs> I, I like your ideas here. I think we just need to flesh them out a little bit more. Okay. So, I guess we have an announcement of sorts. Yeah,
1: should we should we get it out of the way?
0: Yeah, we should do it at the top of the show. Okay.
1: Business. All business, this man.
2: I
0: just, you know, want to let the listeners know that we're, you and I, collectively, I mean, we're we're doing it separately, but spiritually collectively. Yeah. We're going on vacation. It's been a tough year on all of us, the COVID thing. Yeah. This has been basically our only social life. It's true. During most of, of COVID. Past year. Uh, and, like, the past, like, six to eight months, like, we've recorded more, recorded and released more than we ever have. Episodes are longer. We've done more bonus stuff than we ever have before. And, uh, we're going into Hot Girl Summer with uh, both ankles in the air. <laughs>
1: We're going to take a break after this episode, everybody. Don't
0: know when we'll be back. Hopefully on sometime on the other end of Hot Girl Summer. Yeah. Just because, yeah, we're a little fried. Been doing this every week for four and a half years.
1: I think we've earned a vacation.
0: So yeah, we're going to take a little vacay. Yeah. We already have episodes recorded for next season, and like, one's lined up, so like... Don't concern yourself too much on on the if, but it's more of the when. Yeah, and Uh,
1: moving forward, I think the structure is going to change a little bit. I don't think this is going to be the every week, all the time kind of thing that we've been doing. I think it's going to be a little more planned out. That way, I can put more thought and care into the editing and production, which is something I want to do, and I haven't had the time for
0: yeah i mean you've expressed to me off pod that you're not as happy with these last batches of episodes you know listeners might notice that they don't come out on mondays the way that they used to because you know there's time constraints i don't even get around to like promoting the episodes the way that i used to because like this tax season was a bear and i just don't have the brain space sometimes and uh yeah so we're just gonna take a little vacation
1: Um, I've already mentioned this to our extras, but our Patreon, I'm going to leave it up during the break, but we won't be posting any new material while we're on break. So if you're an extra and you're giving us money and you're like, hey, I'm not getting anything out of this, totally understand if you want to suspend your Patreon for for now. Mm -hmm. Like thats You're not going to even hurt my
0: feelings. It's not even a thing. But that said, if you want to continue doing it, it's I'll leave it up. So, and uh, you know, for those that aren't Patreons yet, if you want to get us back sooner, uh, yeah. leaving reviews or uh, jumping on the Patreon bandwagon is definitely a surefire way to get us back sooner. Yeah, definitely. Like if if we get a slew of new Patreons, well, maybe when we might not wait till the end of Hot Girl Summer. Yeah, we'll see. That could uh, that could change the tide. Yeah, and I mean,
1: you know, I don't know. Y'all have listened to all the bonus content, but, you know, there's that Showgirls episode you could always go back and revisit as a patron. Mm -hmm. So, you know,
0: there's things. Or just the other 200 episodes (laughs) that we have, if you've missed some. Summertime might be a good opportunity to go back and uh, revisit some stuff, or or listen to some that you might have skipped over. Yeah. So, you know, this will give you a little time to maybe watch the movie and then listen to the episode. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Uh, yeah, we're just gonna take a little vacation, recharge our batteries, find out what life is like outdoors and with uh, uh, modest and responsibly sized groups of people again. Oh my gosh! Um, we're gonna maybe f- see
1: a movie in a theater,
0: maybe go to like a restaurant and oh like God. order something. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, I realized that I hadn't had a gin and tonic since like COVID hit, mm. and I was like, well, "What stopped me from having a gin and tonic? I can, I can buy gin, I can buy tonic." Not even close to the fucking same as when I go out to a bar. Aww, I was like, this is just sad. It's like me cutting the lime in my own home. I was, I was not having it. And like French fries, like I want them like fresh out of the fryer. I want that oil still like burning burn your mouth. Yeah. I want them fluffy potatoes to just burn my esophagus on the way down. Mm,
1: Because you can't wait for it to cool.
0: Beer from a tap is much better than beer from a can.
1: That's true. That's true.
0: So, yeah. uh, We just kind of want to experience life again. So, yeah. A lot of stuff that we just kind of want to take advantage of this summer. Yeah. I'm getting my second vax tomorrow. So. Yeah. It's It's time for... White, what What'd you say white girl summer hot girl summer oh okay <laughs> have you not heard of that term that's what all the twitter gays are calling it oh well you're on tiktok not me so <laughs> it said twitter okay well <laughs> Twi- twit talk then
1: twit-talk? whatever i don't know okay. but all that said i mean i had a topic for opening banter but i don't know if i want to go there because we've already spent so much time already
0: come on this is this might be your only opportunity to do this (laughs) this opening banter bit
1: well i was just gonna say 200 is a big number and like maybe we you know we're being reflective and And i've had some realizations while watching the two movies for today that we're gonna do Uh, and so i'm just kind of curious like what what is it that's a big question What is it
0: about movies? Just en genre? Yeah. Why do you keep coming back to them? What do you love about them? Uh, I don't know. It's quicker than reading a book. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Uh, movies are are more multi dimensional. One of the movies today will be will be on this very topic, but it's like, you know, they're a feast for the eyes and the ears. Mm-hmm. Uh Multiple dimensions that it's the ultimate form of storytelling in this day and age until uh, a smell of vision finally takes off looking and listening to something is really like the the ultimate form of storytelling that we have yeah I
1: was just realizing that um, both of the movies today I just I, I was transported and like for those two and a half or hour 40 respectively um,
0: is that the order we 're doing them in? Well, that's the order I watched them. It's the order that I watched them, too, but I was kind of thinking we'd do Hour 41st. Well, we'll talk about
1: it. But uh, I don't know. just I didn't care about anything else in in that time. I was just, like, so happy with the, you know, flickering image.
0: So is that what brings you back to movies? Pure escapism? Often, yeah. I just want to think about other people's problems for a while. (laughs) But, yeah,
1: I mean, like, you know, sometimes it can be kind of transcendent. I do think some movies are art. Yeah, I, I also like the sort of uh, manageable chunk of it too. Like, you know, a book is something you can read over a long period of time, like in little bits here and there. Whereas like, you know, a movie's like a piece of music where it's just there's it's a certain amount of time and you just spend that time period
0: with it. And after it's over, are you saying you don't pause Madonna halfway into a song be like i'll get back to it later you, you want to pick up at minute 40 uh-huh. when, when you get back from work uh-huh. it's like I'm, i know exactly where uh la isla bonita is supposed to be like a pause <laughs> <laughs> i'll find out later yeah. <laughs> stay
2: tuned
1: <laughs> but yeah that's just sort of uh you know some of the things i like about them and like i like seeing what other people see Okay. Um as well, like it's interesting to see how other people see the world. And I don't know, I thought this would be a a big like and movies changed my life.
0: Well, it's hard to say if they changed my life cuz I don't know what they w- were like without them. Uh, well, it's obviously a big part of your life. It's a big part of my life, definitely. Yeah, cuz like I have frequent problems like finishing a television show. Like I'm still in season 1 of ER. Get or done. And I've been Matt. watching it since it aired. <laughs> Yeah, so no, I, uh, uh, television shows, for some reason, I get bored with the characters after, like, a season or two, and I can't dig into it. Yeah. Well, they uh, stretch
1: drama lines out, and it can get a
0: little... A little yeah, long. and, like, with television, it's, like, even prestige television really kind of follows, like, a, a a rhythm. You watch, like, the first two, three episodes of, like, any drama, and, like, they all kind of have the same rhythm because they're still got to be confined to, like the hour, you know, mark or forty-five minute if it's like you know broadcast TV. And I don't know. It, it still just kind of feels like they all hit the same rhythm. Or like movies, they can have whatever fucking rhythm they want. Yeah. They can be slow as shit or fast paced, and I don't know. I mean, television's more of a writerly medium. I feel like you know you rarely have the same director across an entire season or something like that yeah, but the writers are generally the same like the writers and the showrunners tend to be like the creative forces on those because it's like i can you know if i think of the sopranos or breaking bad or or mad men it's always like the writer or the showrunner there i mean even david lynch was more the writer on twin peaks like he only directed a handful of episodes not including the the revival right like he directed all of that but like The original couple seasons had a variety of directors, but he, like, co-wrote every single episode. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, movies are more of a visual medium still, even with prestige television as good as it is these days. Yeah, I like that. Feels more like a
1: vision in that regard. Mm -hmm. And also, TV fits more of the, like, novelization. Just because, you know, when you have, like, a big long book that's, like, a big sprawling epic or, like, Game of Thrones or something like that. Like, Mm -hmm. you want it to be several seasons and like really long right take its time i wouldn't want that whole saga condensed into a movie sure but end up with dune yeah exactly and so movies still kind of feel like their own little thing yeah it's like it's its own can you tell the story in 90 minutes
0: yeah and i feel like with a movie it's sort of like it's a finished product to a certain extent whereas like television shows especially American television shows are always like encouraged to like keep going and keep making it and like now it's no longer just like a story you told in the season it's something that you have to figure out a way to elongate it and expand it and continue it indefinitely perhaps
1: and often they only have a plan for like the first two or three seasons and then
0: suddenly it's like (laughs)
2: yeah
0: whereas like a movie it's like you can have like a 90 minute two hour movie and just self-contained and it's done and you never have to revisit that stuff Yeah. yeah Nice. Yeah, it's a clean break. So should we decide which movie we're going to talk about first?
1: Yes so yeah we spun that AFI roulette wheel last week. <laughs> Coming up with the wonderful combo of Goodfellas and Singing in the Rain. I don't know if this makes a good double feature. <laughs> like, <laughs> thematically, we'll try and find a, a thread. Sometimes we find a thread as we talk about things. Yeah,
0: like I remember when we did Tootsie and Pulp Fiction. Then Think Ben! It's a stretch of a of a of a theme there, but well, I remember I kind of bullshit it. I was like, well, one is very uh, traditionally written; it's an exemplar of like standard screenwriting. Okay. Whereas Pulp Fiction was more of a rule breaker. Okay. So it it was kind of the dichotomy between like two different styles of, of screenplay writing. I was able to pull that one out of my ass. I remember back in the day. I don't remember if we could figure out a theme for Clockwork Orange and Some Like It Hot. Um, it was Some Like It a Clockwork Hot Orange. Uh, when What was the common theme? Just when you mush them together, that's what some it like. Some Like It a Hot Work Orange?
1: I, no. No. No? Just no. No and.
0: <laughs> We're moving on. And then Vertigo and Silence of the Lambs? both dramas did we find a common theme between those they're both on the afi list <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah sure uh this time around i don't know yeah, we'll i don't see. know we'll see what happens they're both uh uh, uh exemplars of their respective genre genre <laughs> that's true that's true like, uh, that's that's about it
1: that i can think of yeah, and they're, oh, they're both on the afi list they're as both well. On the <laughs> list okay as well. well maybe we'll get we'll fall back on that one uh okay so you think we should do singing in the rain first
0: yeah, kinda. Okay. I, I'm I'm open to it, like to to switch it around, but it just kind of feels like that's that's an opener. All right, let's do it. Okay, singing in the rain. Nineteen forty something. I didn't do a lot of research. I, I forgot I all thought, my notes I think at home. Fifty two. Starring, Gene Kelly, Debbie Reynolds, and Donald O'Connor. Yeah. Featured in a previous X-rated movie, Toys. <laughs> where he died with a beanie on his head. Oh no, and, and well, Gene Kelly of course was in another X-rated movie. Mm-hmm. Xanadu. He seems a little
1: more limber in this one.
0: Seems yeah, a little bit more lively. <laughs> a little bit more uh, uh, on his game here. Mm-hmm. It's funny how he didn't stop making movies after this one, (laughs) the way that he did with Xanadu. Uh Uh-huh. He gets a
1: director's credit for this one, too. Half of a director's credit. I was going to
0: say, from what I've heard, he was, like, the primary director, and Stanley Donnan was, like, an established director, and so it was, like, they could really only do the stuff that they wanted if they had a real, quote, real director, like, at the helm. Okay he was just the uh the armor for Gene Kelly who who uh, really directed it. Stanley Donen just uh
1: showed up and
0: Cashed put, the check.
1: Yeah, put on put his he's like, "All right, take over." He like
0: sits back in his director's chair, pulls his hat down, takes a nap. Maybe like helped with like some of the technical stuff, was probably like a very uh able uh assistant director. But yeah, th- everything I've heard is that Gene Kelly really kind of directed the majority of this one. Okay. Or or was really the the auteur, the author of this movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, How many times have you seen this movie? This is my second viewing. Okay, same, 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 same. You watched it since we started the podcast. Yes,
1: not too long ago. I'd say mm, two or three years ago, maybe four. Yeah. I watched it in a a circumstance where I was just like drunk and kind of making fun of the thing. Mm -hmm. But I do remember having certain images from it stick in my mind a mm-hmm. lot and the more i would think about it after that viewing i was like i should give that movie a second chance like a real actual watch which is what i did for this and uh well let's just start with a caveat this movie's kind of dumb <laughs> <laughs> dumb in, in what d- capacity in that the the plot is ludicrous it's super silly it's not serious in any way like the the songs are so... They don't go together, I think, as a piece. But, man, I really enjoyed myself on, yeah. this, on this watch. It was a lot of fun. I was whisked away to a weird world <laughs> where people are dancing in their living rooms at one thirty in the morning and doing flips backstage just like I I was here for it
0: yeah uh you know I I saw this a number of years ago I'm not big on musicals I'm bigger on musicals now like having doing the podcast with you oh good maybe it's that you've exposed me to so many shit musicals (laughs) that it's like now when I see a good one I'm like oh my god look what happens when it's done right Because remember, you know, not that long ago, we watched a little movie called The Wiz. The
2: Wiz!
0: And I was complaining about how, like, the first big song and dance number, I was just like... Can't see anything? You can't see anything. Because, like, the background's purplish-blue, and everyone's wearing purple and blue, and they have purple and blue makeup on. You know what movie doesn't have that problem, Ryan? Uh, Singing in the Rain. Singing in the Rain does (laughs) not have that problem. Oh, my God, the colors... And it's like there's just vibrant distinction between like the the singers and the dancers and their surroundings. Mm-hmm, I was mm-hmm. like, God. It's like Gene Kelly heard me complaining about the whiz. He goes, Well, we gotta make sure to avoid that misstep. <laughs>
1: there's there's going to be a movie in about uh
0: 25 tw- twenty five
1: years. Twenty some years that's gonna upset somebody in about <laughs> Sixty years,
0: <laughs> so uh, we got to do this right, guys. Yeah, I mean, almost seventy years. Yeah, uh, I don't know the production design, pretty spot oh, on. Oh my god, yeah, vibrant colors. I love all the costumes. <laughs> well, I was gonna say, you know, before we get to like the songs, can we talk about the fashion oh, in this movie? Th- th- that fashion number? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, a beautiful girl. Is
3: like a great work of art. She's stylish. She's chic. And she
0: also is smart. Cuckoo we, bananas. I know. I was just like, who would be caught dead wearing any of this? I like the monkey suit. <laughs> oh, no. That one was great. The shaved monkey fur mm, or whatever. That one was hot. I like that one. No. Oh, God. It was so bad. I mean, I was here for it. <laughs> <laughs> but it, uh, The rest of
1: them I wasn't so sure. Uh, have, have
0: they recreated that scene on RuPaul's Drag Race? Oh my god, they have to. Like as a season opener when they're introducing each of them? Yeah. like Doesn't it seem like conducive that ooh, each of ooh. the 12 contestants could don a, a Singing in the Rain fashion show uh, a, apparel and just d- <laughs> stand, stand totally there. still? For untold number of
1: minutes. <laughs> or make it a Project Runway challenge where each <gasps> one gets one of those dresses and they have to repurpose it. They have to it. make it work?
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Oh, man. But just like at the the movie premiere that they're going to, like Gene oh. Kelly, like whatever shit that he's wearing, I was like, you know, I'm kind of here for that it. That
1: big lapeled, uh double breasted yeah. suit? Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. That's like pearl white. <laughs> hmm I love that uh, vampira
0: spooky lady. Yeah, who looks miserable with her <laughs> husband. It's vulgar. I was actually laughing quite a bit at that opening scene because it was like, "Hey, red carpets really haven't changed that much in 70 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, if we're talking about like when this movie took place, almost 100 years. Right. But yeah, it's like the. <laughs> yeah, that unhappy spider woman comes out. <laughs> I like the crowd. They're so
1: excited. And then uh, when it's. Uh... Uh, What's his name? They're all like, oh,
0: Oh, yeah. Donald uh, Cooper? Is that his character's name? Cosmo. Cosmo. Yeah, because he's like a piano player in silent movies. Right. He was real spazzy. Did they speed up the film in some places? Because they move real fast sometimes. I think they must. They move unnaturally fast Mm -hmm. sometimes. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I mean, this movie takes place when movie stars were only in movies. Like, it's kind of hard... For like even our age of people, but especially younger people, to imagine a time where it's like, you know, you couldn't look up someone online. Magazines like the paparazzi wasn't as fierce, and there wasn't like tabloids in the same way that there is now. So it's like if you wanted to see a movie star, the only place to see them was in a movie theater. Yeah, or like At you'd this have premiere, yeah. or yeah, wait outside a premiere and like hope to see them in person. Yeah, but big movie stars were only on movies or maybe like a television like network would like rebroadcast them on like a Saturday afternoon or something. But, right. Uh, yeah. By and large. Well, I mean, especially in the silent era when there weren't like TVs in everyone's home. Right. You know, this is the only time you could see a movie star. Like they existed only in theaters. Yeah. It just adds to their mystique, too. It's like, I only
1: see this person on the big screen.
0: Yeah, exactly. So. And they're only in the most flattering lighting, with wearing the best clothes, mm-hmm. saying the most interesting dialogue. and they're Impeccably, in the most, you know, coiffed. Yeah. This movie kind of pokes fun at that. It does. It's a meta movie, Matt. Oh, it's totally a meta movie. I
1: loved that aspect of it this time. I think. I mean, I think I knew that going in, but I was still like, uh, lots of fun. Like, it's poking fun at making of movies but it also is like showing uh a love of making movies because there's like several times where we're like walking on a backlot or in a soundstage and like it's funny like in the silent movie era it's you could film several movies at once because it's like there's that scene where they're walking through and like one uh there's like a a stagecoach fight going Mm. on and uh there was another i can't remember what the other one was There's like a few that they're like passing by, but like because there's no sound, you don't have to worry about picking up sound. You can just like set the camera up to only show this little part. And it's like you could film several things at once in this big warehouse. Um, which is kind of cool. Like, the, like, you get peek behind the scenes kind of stuff, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, movies about making movies are always a little bit fun. Mm-hmm. Y- you kind of get a sense for, like, how the people who are making this movie feel about the process. Right. Because it's like, you know, you watch, like, Coen Brothers Hail Caesar or something like that, and you can tell that they, like, both love and hate Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Like, they love that there is this big dream factory, but they hate, like... Some of the the culture or the people in it, uh-huh. uh, and it's, it's the same thing here, really. Yeah. That it's like they all want to make a good movie, like that. That's their goal. Like not like they're not necessarily worried about money as much. Like it's a concern that they're gonna like lose everything, right? And I mean, yeah, the stakes <laughs>
2: <It's> very
1: low.
0: <laughs> they might lose their shirts. <laughs>
1: One person might. <laughs> Two people, maybe. uh,
0: But they're going to lose their their star power. They won't be... They'll they'll lose their earning potential, Ryan. Oh, (laughs) no.
1: They'll have to get a real job. Wow. You don't think
0: acting in movies is a real job? Oh, yeah? You want to talk about that, (laughs) eh?
3: No, I don't go to the movies much. If you've seen one, you've seen them all. Oh, thank you. Oh, no offense. Movies are entertaining enough for the masses, but... The personalities on the screen just don't impress me. I mean, they don't talk, they don't act, they just make a lot of dumb show. Well, you know,
1: like that—that that scene where Debbie Reynolds is just talking shit on movies. Yeah, I, know. I really liked that, uh, and it reminded me of—have uh, you ever seen that interview she did with well, Larry-, Larry King? Yeah. <laughs> where she's
0: doing an impersonation of Meryl Streep. Uh, <laughs> it's the same thing that she's doing yeah. here, basically.
1: If you haven't seen it, pause the podcast. Check out Debbie Reynolds doing Meryl Streep. It's a lot of fun.
2: All the parts are wonderful and interesting. <laughs> you know,
0: it, part of me was wondering while watching this. I was like, how many Debbie Reynolds movies can you name? Singing in the Rain. Boy. Tammy? The only thing, other thing that I can name is... uh. Behind the Candelabra, she's got a, a, a like, a cameo, essentially. Oh, well, right. not a cameo, but, like, a bit part as uh, Liberace's mother. And then she's in Albert Brooks's mother. Right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And other than that, I was like, she yeah, she'll, like, show up, like, as herself sometimes. It's just like, I can't really name any other Debbie Reynolds movies. Wasn't she
1: in, like, a big, odd Rodgers and Hammerstein? Like, wasn't she, like, Anna and the King of Siam or something like that?
0: No, that was Deborah Kerr. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Honestly, it's this movie, and she's a baby.
0: No, oh, <laughs> she's she barely looks like what we think of Debbie Reynolds. Yeah, part of me is just like she just hit it out of the park, and she—I mean, she probably did like a lot of stage work. She definitely worked in Hollywood past this movie. But, oh, definitely. But how much of a device scene? It's just—it's so weird because it's like for as like big and as groundbreaking and, and as uh, uh, influential as this movie is, it's like Gene Kelly, of course, went on to do a bunch of stuff. Yeah. But, like, Debbie Reynolds, I'm like, I don't know, Halloween Town? And then uh, uh, Donald O'Connor, Cosmo, like, other than toys, what is what did he do? <laughs> I don't do? know. I, yeah, I, I can't even remember his name. I just thought it was weird that, like, such a, like, big influential movie, like, didn't... They didn't, like, ride Hollywood, you know, fame to the end. It seemed like they kind of got, you know, uh, uh, brushed under the rug a little bit. Yeah. It sounds like, though...
1: The story of this movie is that when it came out, it wasn't a huge hit.
0: It was a modest hit. Because, like, the budget was, like, $2 million and it grossed, like, $8 million. Yeah.
1: And so, it was, like, it, was, and it wasn't, like, nominated for any Academy Awards or anything like that. So, everybody was just kind of, like, meh. Like, kind of forgot about it. But, like, as time went on, people were, like, you know what was a good movie? But, like, it was critically uh, lauded, too. Like, it, it, you know, everyone was, like, great movie. Go check it out. But it still was, like, you know, just kind of forgotten for a while in its time. But then has, like, since... Somewhere along the line, we picked
0: it up. Like, no, this is the best one. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, musicals are fun. Like, I've seen some other big ones. You know, your Easter parades, your Americans in Paris. Mm-hmm. And, I don't know, this one kind of holds a special spot, I feel. Or at least watching it this time. One, they seem to actually care about the in-between-the-songs parts. Okay, yeah. Like, we don't get a, a, a real big song for a couple, couple minutes, at least. Yeah. I'd say the first big... Dancy, well,
1: probably, probably the first big one is like when they're playing the, the, the fiddles
0: in yes. uh, Coyoteville, the, in the, New Mexico. The vaudeville act. And I was kind of thinking so it's like, okay, the, the movie's called Singing in the Rain. And it's like, okay, you're happy despite miserable conditions. Uh huh and like gene kelly's story at the beginning he's like oh you know we went to the finest schools and we were cut our teeth on moliere and uh but it's like what we're seeing is very different from what oh, he's right. saying and right. it's, uh it has that nice dichotomy where if you were just listening to the movie you think something very different was happening from what you, if you were just watching the movie yeah
2: i've had one motto which i've always
3: lived by dignity Always dignity. But I was
0: like, it kind of has that dichotomy of singing in the rain. It's like, you know, he's saying these grand things about his upbringing and his tutelage and things like that. Mm. But he actually, like, you know, snuck into dirty movies, um, played in bars and saloons and then vaudeville. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. And yeah, so yeah, I think the fiddle number is probably the first real song and dance we have. I couldn't believe the audience booed that. I
1: know! I was like, they did a great job, and those costumes are crazy, and, uh, I liked it. Yeah. This is like a- Tough crowd. This is, this is a, a Songbird all over
0: again. Songbird. From Death Becomes Her. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would have stayed for that whole thing. <laughs> I would have stayed for the Q&A. God.
1: What do you guys want from them? They're giving it your. They're giving it their all. It was pretty good.
0: And of course, this movie features one of the finest assets of, of Hollywood. Hey, I know where you're yeah. going. <laughs> Gene Kelly's butt. Oof, I have a note. Like we're, we're going to have to talk about it at some point. I just. It's all over the place for one thing. Like you constantly see it.
1: It's a, it's a magnificent ass.
0: It's really nice. It's just it's and the
1: pants show it off. Yeah. Because he's got to have you know pants that are move with
0: him. And uh, where they're cinched in the back, it's just like... It makes him look like he's got a tiny waist and a compact yet efficient booty and broad shoulders. And he's got a very winning smile. You know... I... I got a bonus for Gene Kelly. In this I, movie. You know,
1: I, I <laughs> just—I'm just gonna say—he
0: it. He would make a very successful OnlyFans contributor. He'd be <laughs> the top one percent these days. Yeah,
1: especially like if he paid you attention. Mm. Like he's the kind of person that you could see across because he's tall, right? I think he's pretty tall. He at least looks tall. Yeah, I don't know his actual hype. You, you know, you see him like across the room or something, and he, like he's probably got a swarm of people around him, and then like. You're like, oh, that guy's too popular. It's out of my league. But like, if he came over and like showed you any
0: attention, it'd be like, he's five seven. That's it. Yeah, he looks so much taller. Which means that the other people in this movie must be just dwarfs. What is Debbie Reynolds like? Five two? You know, Debbie Reynolds is probably five two. Oh my gosh, Debbie Reynolds is five two. I knew it. <laughs> There's no way that she could be anything else standing next to Gene Kelly like that. He towers over her. Oh my goodness. But yeah, I don't, there's just a bunch of things. I don't know. A lot of times, old-time movie stars like they don't melt my butter with beef bits the way that that you know a Tom Holland might per Something se when he's singing in the um, in the rain. But Ella, uh, Ella, Ella. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it comes pretty close, and boy, he's just he's just stacked. He's just built like. Yeah. I was here for it. And, and it's not just the body. He's got a nice face. Like, they do a lot of close-ups of him smiling. And he's got them pearly whites. And they're just, it's a very symmetrical smile. And, yeah. He just looks handsome and charming. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, people who, who, who dance well are generally good in they're bed. Fit. Yeah. yeah. They're
1: fit all the way. So,
0: so anyway. <sighs> anyway.
1: <laughs> What's what's uh, maybe this is too early uh, to ask this, but uh, do you have a favorite number? Is there one that just like really you just you just love?
0: Well, I mean, there's. It's hard not to say "Gotta Dance."
2: Gotta dance.
0: The big showy one at the end with Sid, Charisse and everyone. Mm -hmm. Wait, you're you're calling that whole thing one? Yeah, the whole the whole like like, twelve. We've got to get that scene in the movie. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Which. I Googled it last night because I was like, ah, what's there? Is some popular song that like samples Gotta Dance at the beginning? Oh, uh, just like, gotta dance, yeah. And I was like, what is it? I think it was something on like one of those like Verve remixed albums from like the early oddies or something. I was gonna say like uh, uh, Fatboy Slim or something like that, yeah. I was like, I can't remember what it is, but no, so I count that whole thing, uh, but when I Googled like Gotta Dance. One of the top results are like, you know, how like when you Google something, Google will like have a list of questions that are like related oh, right. to what you mm-hmm. just Googled. And one of them is why is God a dance in singing
2: in the rain? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I wanted to, I I didn't rewind it. I don't know why, but like I was taking a note at times. So I missed exactly like the the justification for it. But it's like. They wanted to do a musical number because they, they're doing it's it's the dueling cavaliers, right? That they're, they're making changing into to the musical. dancing cavaliers, Beca- and because it's all just some fever dream that some dancer, right? Is and they, they want to work in some modern numbers, and uh. they're like, well, we don't know how because it's like a period piece, and they're like, well, what if he just has this like fever dream? That's when it, like, fades into this. And then it fades back out, and he's like, Well, that's the
3: idea of the number, RF. What do you think of it? I can't quite visualize it. I'll have to see it on film first.
0: That whole thing was just, like, a quick aside. Yeah. it's like, I have an idea for a dance number. (laughs) And so, but uh, when Google was like, Why is God a dance in Singin' in the Rain? I looked it up, and it was like, It's really just because they wanted it? Mm. Like, they're just like, They wanted to do this dance sequence, and... They felt like the movie might not be long enough as it stood, so they're just like, "Well, let's do this awesome dance sequence, and we'll figure out a way to shoehorn it in." Well, like the whole movie was just made because
1: there's a, there was some division of MGM where this guy was just making musicals, and so he like it sounds like he would just like make music for these musicals in his, like, division. But he had all these leftover songs that didn't get used in other stuff, and so he's like, let's make a musical that uses these songs. Oh. And so they pulled in the, the writers. I'm not I, – I didn't – I don't know their names. Um, You know who they are. Sure. Listener.
0: Those great, famous people. Um,
1: And they wrote this script around the songs, basically. Like, oh. he, he had like uh, a handful of these songs, and they just sort of were like – We'll piece this together it's sort of like a
0: jukebox musical I guess like um, okay I mean that does kind of make sense because there's not like a big unifying theme between the songs oh no uh, not even style wise because <laughs> yeah but I don't want to say gotta dance is outright my favorite but I do I love Cherise. she's in other dance movies and she's not a great actress and I don't think she can sing worth anything but she doesn't even talk in this. <laughs> she, she has no lines in this movie yeah <laughs> But she's like fourth or fifth build.
1: Uh, That's my favorite sequence is when, because it's, we go inside the dream,
0: inside the dream. Yeah.
1: I'm like, oh, take me down this rabbit hole. And she's
0: like, that fabric. Oh, you're talking specifically about like the windy? Yes. yeah, That that part of it specifically. Yeah. I was going to say, that is my favorite part of the Gotta Dance medley. It's my favorite part of the movie. Because... A, like, Sid Charisse, I think, is wearing a wig in that one. (laughs) Because she's got short hair in all the other scenes, and in that one she's got, like, a a longer, like, she's got longer hair. Put a pin in wigs, maybe? (laughs) And the way that they blow the fabric, that it's, like, way the fuck up Uh. there, but her hair doesn't look like it's moving. No. Gene Kelly's hair isn't moving. Gene Kelly's hair. And, like, you can kind of see, like, the pants are, like, wafting a little bit in the wind. But I was just like, you know, otherwise, like this is just super impressive. And, like the way that they like work it into the choreography and like work with it. There's or, more like, than one fan. There has to be. There has to be. Because like at times you can see it blowing this way and then they'll move over here, and suddenly this. At first like, I it, thought for sure that there must have been like fishing line like keeping it up because it was so high I know. and billowing so much. But like the way that they like dance with it and around it in and intertwines, I'm like, it can't. Like the no. line would get tangled in yeah. them. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's all just fan work. Fan service, <laughs> and it's
1: so long.
0: Yeah, it's good though. That that yeah, that bit is my favorite part. of I mean, of the, the gotta fabric dance. part of it. Is oh, really yeah. long, but but no no, I watched
1: it twice just because I'm like, we're already inside a dream sequence, mm-hmm. and then that scene happens because he catches a glimpse of her across from the casino, and then we go into that character's mind mm-hmm. of like what he's seeing and imagining. So yeah, so yeah, suddenly all the crowd just,
0: disappears. Yeah, we're
1: two levels in now, and. If you're going to do a dream within a dream, make it feel like a dream. And this is just, it's so, it's... Yeah, take that, Christopher Nolan. I, <laughs> this is Inception. Uh, and it's just, it's so beautiful. Like, I that was, this is one of those scenes where I was like, the first time I watched it, I would think about it a lot. I was like, you know, I can't dismiss that. No. Like, that is some of the most beautiful cinematography ever. And, like, dance-wise, too, because the fabric is, like, curling around Gene Kelly and he just like pulls his arms back and it like moves as she's like running away and it like it's so romantic and just beautiful I really really like it
0: yeah it's also like it's all dancing like there's no words in this so it's like everything's kind of communicated like via their dancing And, you know, there's always that great debate of, like, who's the better dancer, Gene Kelly or Fred Astaire? And it's, like, you know, it's apples and oranges, ladies. (laughs) But it's, like, you know, Fred Astaire, I think, embodied, like, that sort of classic, very classy, elegant dancing. And Gene Kelly was, like, the more progressive dancer. Like, he was the one that was, like, you know, sort of fusing it with, like, jazz and things like that. Or, you know, what would, you know, maybe later become, like, rock and roll or something. Like, he was the more progressive dancer. And it's, like, here it's, like, that weird mix of like jazz and ballet and tap like all kind of like mixed into one mm-hmm. and yeah it was just real good yeah i was here for yeah it's also edited really well like well most of it's like one long take there there's
1: lots of long takes but there are cuts in there and it just you don't you don't look for them well and just the i imagine it would be difficult to keep the continuity of the sash sure <laughs> Her. But it is. It was fine. I was looking for it. And it's like, oh, they knew that, like, in this part, it has to be flowing in this direction at this speed, probably. And it's like, oh, I keep
0: it all together. Yeah. It's just really well done. Yeah, it, it it's super well done. Like, just massively impressive. So it's like, yeah, I, I, was, I was definitely wowed by it. But, I mean, in other songs, there's parts that I do like, you know. I mean, make him laugh. The flips. Like, how can you not be impressed by those flips? He does two in a row. It's one take. It just... He really runs up those walls. And does a fucking flip. Like, he's not faking it, because it's like he turns around, and he's like, ta-da! Like yeah like,
1: it's, it's wild
0: uh, I mean the song itself like the stuff that he's doing in it is funny I'm not a, like the song I'm not crazy about it's a little but,
1: embarrassing but it's fine uh, I like it I mean
0: he's this is another one where like they're speeding it up right like, I mean maybe a little bit but I mean he's still doing those fucking flips I you
1: know he does the, like,
0: Homer Simpson, woo, 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 <laughs> in a circle on the floor. I think it's a Three Stooges thing. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's, you're probably right. And, well, Good Morning. Good Morning is probably my second favorite song. And I like that one because that's the ensemble one. Yeah. Everyone, all the main players are in that one. They do that uh, Benny and June chair tip thing on a couch. Oh, yeah. All three of them doing it together. Have you ever tried to do that? No, I have not. Oh. I like how you refer to as Benny and June. Well, that's just what I
1: remember it from. But it's it's hard to do one person. Three people doing it at the same time?
0: I don't know. It's pretty good. And I like right after that, because this is another aspect that... Uh, you don't see this in a lot of musicals, but that's sort of where like they get the idea to dub... Is it Linda? Linda Lamont? Lena. Lena Lamont. Lena Lamont, yeah. And I
3: can't
0: stand them! But right after they're done with the song, they're laughing on the couch... And Cosmo gets that idea it 's like, "Oh well, we can just dub Lena uh and he stands in front of Debbie Reynolds, and she sings, and right. he mouths it, and it looks like you know the sound's coming out of his mouth and I was like, oh, it 's sort of interesting for a musical to acknowledge that they were singing it 's the meta element it it's most musicals it's supposed to be some sort of exaggeration, or they 're not actually acknowledging that they're going into a song and dance number. oh, but here." They do acknowledge that they go into a song and dance number. Like, singing and dancing is part of how this world works. They're just 1.30 in the morning. Good, good morning, morning, good morning. <laughs> through that
1: spacious living room that just happens to have that huge dance space. <laughs> thankfully, well, you
0: know, when you're a dancer, I guess that that's the you world, know that he's
1: gonna he knows that he's gonna break into song. Yeah, I guess if that's the world. You have it set up so that you could do that at any moment. Right. That makes sense. Yeah.
0: But yeah. That was just one thing that I noticed. I'm like, oh, they're acknowledging. They're song and dance people that, yeah. like, they just spontaneously break out into song. But that is a meta element of it, too, where
1: they're showing that, like, we could dub anybody's voice over right. this if we wanted to. So it's, you know, kind of shows you a bit of movie magic. <laughs> yeah. And, I, I mean, that also sh- shows up in the scene when um, uh, Gene Kelly's wooing Debbie Reynolds' character. And he, like, brings her on that sound stage, And she's like, what's this? And he's
2: like... Wait a second. A beautiful sunset. Mist from the distant mountains. Colored lights in a garden. The lady is standing on her balcony in a rose trellis bower. Flooded with moonlight, we add 500,000 kilowatts of stardust a soft summer breeze and you sure look lovely in the moonlight Kathy oh
0: yeah you're setting the mood for me (laughs) to go back earlier when I was saying like they do a good job of making like the in between songs kind of fun and interesting Mm -hmm. so it's like Debbie Reynolds is giving Gene Kelly all this shit. And he's like, oh, you're a movie actor. Well, I act on the stage. You know, so high above you silent film actors. Right. And then they're at that party and she pops out of the cake and she's like one of the chorus girls. Uh-huh. Uh, and I like right after like that song, which is a, which is a pretty catchy I like tune. that number
1: a lot, actually.
0: And Gene Kelly's sort of like flirting with her again. And he says things like, I
2: just trying to tell
0: you how good you were.
3: Excuse me. No,
2: no, no, don't go. Now that I know where you live, I'd like to see you home.
0: And he points to the cake. <laughs> I was like, that's so shitty. That's like capital P petty right there, but I love it. It's funny. <laughs> Before
1: he jumps into her car, he jumps... On top of a car, on top of a trolley, and then jumps from the trolley into her car. Yeah, I don't know if it's actually Gene Kelly doing it. It looks like him. It looks like him. It's got too, his like, gait. Those are. That's a stunt. It I would, is. I would feel a little uncomfortable. He's doing a that stunt himself. man.
0: That's how we got to start in Hollywood in this movie. I don't know in, in real this life. Movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He drove a plane into a shed.
0: <laughs> I know. <laughs> some of the stunts. See, that's another thing. It's like, you know, when they're not singing and dancing, like some of the stuff showing his early years in Hollywood, I was like, this is kinda of funny. Yeah.
1: I I laugh. I thought the plane was gonna take off and do something and it just instead just goes right into a shed. Well, that's pretty that's... Well
0: there's like what he like drives like a motorcycle off a cliff. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's clearly, clearly a, a dummy, dummy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty, funny. it's pretty funny. Uh yeah, all all like his early stunt work, I was like, God, this is actually I'm laughing pretty hard at this. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, uh oh, the so they're, they're training for the talkies. Right. And they get these diction coaches.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, you know, uh, earlier we were talking about how Donald O'Connor and Debbie Reynolds, like we know them in this movie and like nothing else. Right. Lena gets that diction coach. Right. You know, telling her to make the round, round. sound. Round. sounds abound. I can't stand him.
3: Now, ta te ti to Tate T-toe 2. No, no, Miss Lamont. Round tones, round tones. Now let me hear you read your line.
1: Is she in something? Is this where you're going with
0: this? Yes. She's in lots of stuff. Okay, I definitely have seen her before. She's in Hocus Pocus. <gasps> she's in The Blues Brothers. <gasps> she's in Gremlins 2. What? As who? Her name's Kathleen Freeman. She's fucking microwave marge oh my god no
1: way yes <laughs> that's the best
0: yeah so it's, it's just <laughs> no i like lost i was a little stoned last night and i was like she's in a million movies that i've seen like up through like the early 90s because she died in like 92 or something. Okay. Like I think her last movie was Naked Gun 33 and a Third. Oh my gosh! But yeah, she's in Gremlins 2. She's Marge. I love her. I love her even more. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, yeah, I was just watching her. Like God, she looks familiar. I was like, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> and yeah, so I looked her up, and yep, famous character actress and lots of stuff. Oh
1: my god! And it's funny because on the Gremlins two, and I was like, well, you've seen her in a bunch of junk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Look at so, yeah. look at that. But yeah, I mean, she's in classics like A Place in the Sun, The Bad and the Beautiful, uh, Seven Year Itch. Okay. But yeah, uh, The Sting. Uh,
1: Working all the way up to the 90s. Yeah. I love it.
0: Yeah, so I, yeah, I think Naked Gun was like one of her last movies. 33 and a third, she was Muriel. Right. Important character. Important. She was one of the, the, like, Fred Ward's, like, old lady sidekick. Okay. Well, good for her. Yeah. I'm proud of her. Yeah, sadly, the male diction coach, I couldn't place him from anything. But... No,
1: I was glad when they covered him in the joke. <laughs> okay.
0: When he was directing
1: Gene Kelly in his diction, he was telling him, More sibilance. Sound
0: gayer. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> yeah, basically.
2: Around the rocks, the rugged rascal
3: ran. Very good? Guys. Now, sin for Caesar, sipped his snifter, seized his knees, and sneezed.
2: Sinful Caesar
3: snipped his snifter. Sipped his snifter. Sipped his snifter.
2: Yeah. Oh, thank <laughs>
3: you.
0: <laughs> Can you roll your
1: Rs? Both of those oh, teachers yeah. were like, roll, roll your Rs.
0: Like no one does that. Yes, round sounds abound. Yeah, the mouth is round. Round. Like I don't know if I want to see movie actors do that. Yeah. I was a little distracted by the signs because it's like a dance number in the diction class right and they like jump on like the teacher's desk and start dancing I'm like one you do not respect wood <laughs> like clearly but there was like sounds you like, respected the class there was signs in the background of like the shape that your mouth is supposed to make for different vowels right and the one for I I was like that's not how my mouth looks when I say I uh- I. Well, it was like really narrow, yeah. like horse It was like I, I, I. Were you moving your mouth to
1: make the sounds?
0: Well, I was like saying it a I was like E. I was like, okay, I see the E and the A. The A was like ah. I. I
1: hundred percent was doing it.
0: <laughs> but I was like I,
1: I, I. I don't know, man. Tap dancing. Let's just unpack the whole box. Yeah, you don't like it.
2: Moses supposes his toes
3: a roses, but Moses supposes erroneously. A Moses, a Mose. A
1: Rose is a Rose. A Toes is a Toes. hoop doodle. I mean, it's impressive what they're doing, I suppose. I don't, maybe, I, th- I think my thing is, is I need to, like, take a tap class and see how hard it is, and then I can, like, gain a respect for it or something. Do you just think it's making noise? I just feel like I could do it. <laughs> but you're a dancer. I don't know. It is a little embarrassing to watch people be like a tap 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 tap. I don't know. It's it's not my thing. I'm sorry if you love tap dancing. I just don't think it's it's not my thing.
0: Well, yes, I remember giving you top hat way back in the day. Uh this isn't going to come across in pop. You're just like, I don't know. They're all just like <laughs> I don't know how to put that into to words for our listeners, but <laughs>
1: Uh, there's a little more here. They're kind of like doing other stuff with their arms while they're tap it, tapping. Yeah.
0: And like, you know, they have Banana's wardrobe in this, or they're playing the fiddle, or there's other things to look at. Yeah. Or they're messing with the props a bit more. But yeah. Yeah. You, you're, you've are you never been a fan of tap. Maybe I should take a class. Maybe I should earn a respect. During our vacation, for it. Yeah. you should take a I'll tap I'll come back once.
1: and I'll do a little tap number
0: you know T for, for two and two, and two for T I think you should okay I would love that actually okay I'll think about
1: it There'd yeah, a lot of tapping in this movie Good morning to tap number might be just those 3 actually. Yeah Debbie
0: Reynolds wasn't really known for her dancing
1: right <sighs> Yeah I read a sad I read kind of a sad story that Gene Kelly was really mean to her because she wasn't He the like the made best her dancer. feet bleed like yeah. you
0: know for doing too many takes or something that like her yeah, feet were, like, bleeding in her shoes. Yeah. He's just a consummate professional. When he did the titular number... Oh, yeah, we should probably talk about that, huh? Like, he, I guess, had, like, the flu big time and had to, like, do it anyway because he's the director and he has to lead by example. When I was watching that scene, I was thinking, like, there's no
1: way that water's more. Oh, God, no. No, no, no. probably really sucked to do. And um, also, I meant to mention this earlier, like, one thing I really appreciate about this movie is a lot of long takes. Like, lot. I, I'm not gonna call them wonders, cause it's not wonders in the traditional sense. But the camera just lets you look at everything. Like, they, they, they'll move it around, but it's just one long take. And especially in that singing in the rain number, you just get to soak everything in. Like, there's that one part where he's going down some part of it, and you can see the like drain pipe. Just yep. Just dropping a bunch and it's like he doesn't even go under it until the very end yep and it's like a good minute maybe a rain's moving not moving around it yeah just water running like i don't know it's it's real nice and it's especially cool because at that moment we've already established that movies are sets you know and set up so like you're watching it, and, like, even though this is supposed to take place in the real world of the it's film. It's such a set. It looks like a fucking set. But, like, <laughs> I like that it's it's sort of
0: showing you that. It's like, this is fake, but aren't you transported a little bit? I, oh, I totally am. Like, I definitely enjoyed this more, this viewing than I did on uh, previously when I initially watched it. Like, my first viewing, I, I liked it, but, like, I wasn't, like oh, my God, you got to see this movie. Uh, I think when you talked about, like, oh, I rented this from Netflix or whatever, I was like, yeah, it's fine. It's a musical. You know, you've seen one, you've seen them all. Uh, Of course, you've educated me on that stance since then. (laughs) Um, I mean, part of it is that, like, I've seen so many bad ones, and with The Wiz just, like, recently in my head, and I feel like The Wiz is more in the mold of a singing in the rain than a lot of other musicals that we've done. Yeah. And just, like, seeing how poorly that one came out, specifically with, like, the production design of it, where I'm just like, you can't really see what you want to see, and it's just, like, a big mess, and, like, this does not have that problem. It's like, even if they have to, like, go to r- ridiculous lengths where they make of the walls and furniture bright red, and, you know, they put, you know, Gene Kelly in black and then Sid Charisse is in like neon green they went out of their way to make it so that people popped and I was like I it's a musical do whatever the fuck you want like yeah. you should be able to take these like wild artistic swings and it shouldn't be a detriment I'm gonna give some credit to
1: the directing too like I noticed at one point I want to say it's during the Moses supposes his toes or roses song <laughs> that like they're like jumping up on a table, jumping down, jumping back up. And they're actually like, cause this isn't widescreen. This is letterbox aspect ratio. Sure. He's like moving the camera to like, so you're following the dancers. Whereas like the whiz, he just like put the camera in the background and was like, all right, everybody action you yeah, know? yeah like they're actually he's actually directing
0: he's like showing you what to look for yeah you know how when we we're doing the whiz and you were talking about like uh the wicked witch scene where it's like the camera's so far back and things like that it's like i can't think of a good example of like when the camera was put in the right spot here because like when you're doing it right sometimes you don't know people are doing it at all yeah you don't want to think about that but like it's, it's moving around well, like in the make him laugh scene when he does the, the Three Stooges Homer move. Right. It's like it the, tilts up. Yeah, the camera like moves down, but like tilts over him so you can see it. And then like he gets up and the camera, like it's all motivated camera movements. Yeah. But it's that is like a big long take that he does of him like falling. getting lifted up on the board, falling oh. over, doing flips. Like all this stuff is like just one long take. Right.
1: Yeah. And you get to see it. He lets us just see the dancers dance. And like, this is what I'm paying money for when I'm seeing a musical. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, exactly. I want to see dancing
0: and costumes and all that shit. And one nice thing about musicals is like most of the stuff you can like find on YouTube, like the big numbers. Mm-hmm. Cause like, I, I like Sid Cherise a lot. I think she was one of the better dancers of this era and she is in Easter parade with Fred Astaire. And there's a bar scene in that too, where they're like trying to outdance each other. And it's like, I mean, Fred, Fred Astaire was a tiny man. Uh, and like I think Sid Charisse is taller <laughs> than him, and well maybe it was just the heels, but it's just like she was such a good dancer, and like everyone should like go like just YouTube like Sid Charisse Easter Parade and watch that dance number because it's really good. I just maybe she had like a Lena Lamont thing where her voice was stupid. I, I don't remember, but mm. it's like she's such a good dancer, like she's so able bodied and like her she's got legs for days. But she was always sort of kind of relegated to just the dancing lady in musicals. Mm-hmm. Like you said in this, she doesn't even have a fucking line in this movie. Not one. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love Sid to death. I, I think she was like one of the best dancers of this era that uh, kind of gets pushed under everyone else.
1: I kind of like the whole cast across the board. Like uh, Lena, uh, I don't remember that actress's name, Jean Hagen? She's a lot of fun. I like her character. She's like, you know, the closest thing this movie has to a villain. And, like, <laughs> like I like the whole scene with her in the uh, microphone when they're trying to pick her up. And it's, like, it's sort of her ego, but also her dumbness that she can't do it right. Uh, yeah, like, she, she can't she just, unlearn these habits. Yeah, she's just, it's not like she's evil. She's just brought down by kind of her own ineptitude.
0: Yeah, I... I Watching like the finished product or not, you know, not the finished product, oh, but like yeah. the 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 screener of uh, the dueling Cavaliers. Uh-huh. And it's like her playing with the pearls, her turning her head one way and then turning it back another.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Oh, no, no, yeah. no,
2: no, 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 yes, yes, yes.
0: That was really funny when the audio got off sync. <laughs> <laughs> like I was like, oh, God. I liked that they were heckling
1: the movie. Yeah. Like, that's fun. She was just such a good sport, I think. Uh, well, yeah, she watched that, doesn't she
2: say, like, I liked it.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> good stuff, eh? And I eh? can't stand <laughs> yeah. him. I can't stand him. <laughs> I can't
1: him. stand him. I don't know. And it just works that she's, you know, her motivations are clear. She's just trying to look out for her own ass. And, like, it's conflict, but it's never like deep heavy conflict
0: right the stakes are never that high and it's like maybe when you work in hollywood it feels different or maybe it is different but it's like you're allowed to have like one stinker yeah i mean some people get put in movie jail after like making a movie that's like so bad that you know for some reason it's unredeemable in the eyes of right you know, and
1: maybe, like, since this was going to be a, their first talkie, like, they were worried about it.
0: But. Right, like, you know, that the director who made the Wicker Man remake, I don't think I ever made a movie after that, even though he was, like, an up-and-comer, or, like, that poor lady who directed Pay It Forward, like, got put in movie jail Aww. after that. And, like, sometimes you do make a stinker that's so bad that, like, you can't make another. But, you know, by and large, people are kind of allowed to make a bad movie once in a while. yeah
1: and boohoo they make a bad movie they make something else they also didn't like working with each other so yeah well gene kelly didn't like working with uh lena lena yeah but um whatever this is like the queen level stakes like (laughs) there's just no stakes
0: people might not like me oh
1: no some people might see the movie and think it's bad yeah just real real light real easy on the eyes both in the dancing and the colors and in June Culling. Mm. Uh, mm. You know, Debbie Reynolds, it's meta. I don't know, what else do you want? It's got all the Ryan staples. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Let me just make sure I got all my notes in here. Did you notice that there was maybe some chroma keying? Was that I don't know me? what that means. That's like green screening, blue screening. Is that possible at this time? Well, there was definitely reverse... No, there was there had to be because there were like the that like commercial where there was like just legs dancing
0: yeah yeah that might have been green that looked to be green screen but it's like you know when they were drive when debbie reynolds was driving like that was our uh, rear projection is what right. it's called uh but yeah the commercial i that did look to be green screen or whatever yeah, it was in the day whatever
1: color like it's called chroma king in okay. general but like i didn't know they had that technology in the early 50s Okay, I have one, one last point. Yeah. I'm a little worried about Cosmo and his treatment of inanimate objects as dance partners. The dummy? The dummy, and then also later in Good Morning with the raincoats. He just kind of like tosses
0: but it and kicks it away. But they all have the raincoats. Yeah,
1: but he tosses his away and kicks it unnecessarily. And the dummy he kicks too. I was like, don't kick the dummy, and he did. So it makes me wonder how he values um, people.
0: I don't know. I got pretty close with the dummy in a music video uh, by the Secret Shoppers. Did you kick it? No, I was real sweet to it. See, that's what I'm saying. It says a lot about me as a person that yeah. I was real gentlemanly to this dummy, Yeah, this mannequin. I didn't appreciate Cosmo's treatment of the dummy. You think that's indicative of his treatment towards other people? Well, maybe or he just has a firm grasp on what's living and what's not. Mm, well, yeah. I don't know. I I I worry. I just worry. That's your, all. Your your heart bleeds for the raincoats. I
1: don't know. I think there's a reason he doesn't have any dance partners in this movie other than Gene Kelly.
0: I think Cosmo's a little rough. Yeah, he doesn't have a dance partner in this. Maybe it's why he uh couldn't get a role until Toys. <laughs> Too rough. Yeah, too rough.
1: Yeah, maybe there's a lesson to be learned here.
0: Treat your raincoat right. I don't. know. What's the lesson? No, that was it. We got it. <laughs> uh, anyway, are we, are we done with singing in the rain? I think so. I left my notes at home, so I don't remember if there was anything that uh oh. I needed to include here. But okay, well, um, if you think of anything, let me know. We'll make
1: a note. Otherwise, uh, should we take a break before we get into the next movie? Yes, please. Let's get. <laughs> buttermilk make the chicken taste
0: well the buttermilk has a slightly see i don't like saying it but it's like a little bit more bitter yeah it's like sour you're sour yeah it's like you put in pancakes it makes them tangy yeah and there's something about like with the chicken and it's got like a little bit of hot sauce on it it's just a it's just a broader flavor like it's a little bit more full-bodied and yeah i don't know i was here for it Would you ever use buttermilk as a mixer in, like, a cocktail? You know, I just don't think it would mix. Not even, like, a vodka buttermilk? (laughs) Uh, There's a 30 Rock joke where Jenna's trying to uh, land a role in a Janis Joplin biopic. Okay. So all the writer dudes go on Wikipedia and alter the information about Janice Joplin. Okay. And they tell her that, that she should go to Wikipedia because it's a good spot for information. So her favorite drink was called the Frank Schlong. <laughs> and it was a mix of tequila, buttermilk, and cherry juice. Oh, no. <laughs> so that's all she drank, the Frank Schlong.
1: Mm, it's going to curdle the milk.
0: <sighs> okay, well, what's a good drink? that requires milk so this is white russians. white russians end of list uh but do, 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 irish wha- coffee but i mean even white russians do you have to use milk can it be it's half cream and half usually. or cream yeah, yeah.
1: i think because milk will curdle well cream is a little more substantial
0: i just it's got that that you need the tumescence yeah <laughs> i yeah i just don't think like if i put in like a shot of whiskey with some buttermilk. <laughs> you know what? Stay tuned for when we return. <laughs> We're gonna I'm going to do some to... buttermilk experience experiments. Okay, some whiskey buttermilks. Yeah, some buttermilk backs. How's <laughs> that sound, listener?
1: We used to, we used to joke when I worked at Pony. Like, what if we replaced all the mixers with condiments? So it was like, I'll have a gin and mustard, please. <laughs> Mm. Mm. a rum relish
0: oh no I told you that I I tried a pickleback for the first time Mm, recently mm -hmm. and I did not care for it I did not understand the appeal you don't want picklebacks
1: nope pardon I was doing the sexy back but with pickleback and instead of saying yep I say nope (laughs) oh It's funnier when I explain it. I, uh, well, actually, in this instance, it was because I didn't
2: know what you were talking okay, about. Okay, okay.
0: Oh, boy. That wasn't a very good joke, Ryan. <laughs> but, but our second movie today is about good things. <laughs> Do I amuse you, Matt? <laughs> uh you have your moments am i here to entertain you 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 got you got you got sporadic instances of amusement uh like a clown to me am i I a clown to you yeah by and large like a big audio clown oh you know who's a big audio clown
1: (laughs) (laughs) did somebody say audio clown
0: (laughs) willy nilly i don't know if you're appropriate for our next movie
1: If you're ever in court, just remember, keep your mouth shut and never rat on your friends.
2: Goodbye. (laughs) Bye, Willie.
1: Bye, Willie. See, I was going to transition by saying, well, we started this half of the podcast in Meteor Reyes, and our next movie starts in
0: Meteor Reyes, Matt. Oh, yeah, it does. You're right. Our next movie being... Goodfellas, nineteen ninety, Martin Scorsese. Scorsese, Martin our second Martin Scorsese. Our set, yeah. And I'm I'm glad that we got this Martin Scorsese because I'm not a big Raging Bull man. That's mm-hmm. just that's not my cup of tea. You like Taxi Driver? Though. I do like Taxi Driver a lot, but I feel like when people think of Martin Scorsese, the this thing. is the movie that they're oh. thinking of, or, or something like this not all of his movies fit this mold but you know how it's like some directors are their own genre you know Wes Anderson Tim Burton like these are directors that really are their own thing Yeah, and like Martin Scorsese has a breadth to his directing style but like when people think about him as a director this is the type of movie that they're thinking of it's taken me a long time to
1: understand why people love Martin Scorsese and I think it just took like watching enough movies to recognize that when I see one of his movies is like, I get it now. Okay. Like, I mean, I love him now. Like like any, anytime and there's a lot that I haven't seen of his and I can't wait to watch it. Cause it's like, I have such an appreciation for him. Like to me, he's always got it in his mind that people are going to be watching this. Like he's always thinking about the audience. It's always about our pleasure. Okay. <laughs> Cause this came up in the Nixon episode where it's like Oliver Stone To me, he's, like, somebody who needs to get an image out of his head. Like, he has an idea, and he needs to get it out. And whether or not people like it or not, who gives a fuck? Okay. But, like, Martin Scorsese, I feel like he's, like, I want to tell the story so that the audience understands and that the audience is feeling what I'm trying to get across. And he's, like, I just feel like he's always got an audience in mind.
0: And I love that. I mean, for as long as this movie is, it's easily digestible. Like things come in bite-sized chunks. You can eat it like popcorn. I mean, he doesn't always stick in this lane, but boy, he makes a good case for it. He,
1: keeps, he like like style-wise, he's one of the most
0: varied in shot choices. Like he, he just uses all the tools. You know, this movie is of course wildly appreciated. and Even though we just talked about a wildly appreciated movie, I kind of feel like I'm have I'm gonna have a tougher time explaining, like, why this one is so appealing to me. Just because I don't think this movie really says a lot about, like, the human condition. (laughs) Like, is there a moral to this movie? Uh, don't rat your friends out? Well, but then he does. Like, that's how the movie ends. And he's miserable about it. It, Like, he's, like, miserable. He's a schnook, (laughs) Matt. Like, he's unhappy, but, like if the moral is like don't rat your friends out like what's what's the punishment for ratting your friends out suburbia <laughs> but like he was gonna have to do that regardless of whether or not he ratted his friends out because he was gonna die yeah maybe don't join the mob i mean yeah i guess you could see that as a moral of the movie but uh, boy i'd be hard-pressed to think that's the moral of this movie <laughs> Like, I don't know, like, with Singing in the Rain, like we were just talking about, like, we can say, like, oh, this is saying something about Hollywood, about making movies, you know. There, there's something there, there. I don't know what this says about the human condition. I don't even know if this says something about the mob or the mafia. Like, it kind
1: of says something about mob movies. This is sort of the unforgiven of mob movies a little bit. You think so? Yeah, I think it kind of turns uh, gangster movies on its ear. Yeah? In what way? In that it shows how... uh, A, every day they can be, like their lives can be. Okay. And B, the failings of the mob. Which are?
0: That... When you tell on him, you got to go live in suburbia. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, it's not like we even get like a scene of like him in like humdrum suburbia. Like we get like one shot of like him, like what, taking out the trash or something at the very end? I think he's picking up the paper, yeah. Yeah. And like, that's it. It's what, three, four seconds? Yeah. That's all of him in suburbia. And it's not even like his life is that bad. It's just like, oh, I had to give it up. Yeah. Also, maybe drugs are bad. Maybe that's the moral. Drugs, I don't even think, are introduced to, like, you know, an Act hour seven. 45. <laughs> like, he's already out of jail before the cocaine is introduced. He starts selling
1: drugs in jail, yeah.
0: Yeah, but, like, him, like, doing all the coke and, like, you know, uh, uh, Gimme Shelter, uh, like, the Stone song, like, doesn't come in until he's already out of jail, and I swear to God, that's, at like, the, closing in on the two-hour
1: mark. Yep. <laughs> Debbie Mazar doesn't even come into this movie till like, an hour oh, and a half. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs>
0: I just, there's so much of this. I'm just like, like, you are asking me, kind of, like, if, with, what's this movie about? I'm like, well, it's about, like, living, like, being in the mob. End of list. I can't think of what else this movie's about. Well, it's,
1: an, it's based off of a, like,
0: a tell all. Like, yeah, the, not about, the Henry Hill wrote a book, like, after he was in witness protection. And what's that other than, like, here's some stories about my life. Yep. So that's the whole movie. And I don't know. It's just usually when a movie is, like, you know, means this much to me. It's because it says something about the human condition or, it says, or it's it's landmark filmmaking or mm-hmm. something. And I'm like, it, I mean, it's sort of landmark filmmaking. I can't... I always
1: argue that it, it yeah. There's so many 90s
0: movies after this that follow this blueprint. Well, I mean, Quentin Tarantino saw this and changed his whole view on what movies and Honestly, music and movies can be. Yeah,
1: and... watching this I was like Quentin Tarantino, what are oh, you doing? 100%, like, 100%. Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs are just ripping off this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yo, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Even Jackie Brown a little bit. Yeah. No, <laughs> it, it, I mean you can see this style of Scorsese in his earlier stuff. Like, Mean Streets is very much this way. Oh, okay. And he didn't really revisit this type of filmmaking. Like, Mean Streets was early 70s. Okay. Like, 1970, potentially. So, like, it took him 20 years to kind of revisit this style, but it's like, in that time, you know, he did Taxi Driver and Raging Bull and, like, won Academy Awards and became, you know, a big to-do. Yeah, yeah. And so like this is the movie he made right after Last Temptation of Christ. And it's like you make this like religious epic and then you turn around and make a gangster movie. But just in terms of like filmmaking and like I think part of this movie is like it doesn't need to be about anything. It can just be pure entertainment. Yeah. From start to finish and like, you know, Scorsese's complaining about how Marvel movies are just roller coaster rides. I'm like this movie's a roller coaster ride. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not all like special effects, but I mean, it's a lot of violence and a lot of drugs and sex. I mean, not a lot of sex, but there's it's in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's one of the sexier Martin
1: Scorsese movies, I'd say.
2: One, of, yeah, I, sure. I, I don't,
1: I, w- I don't consider him a sexy director or likes to do steamy scenes necessarily. But you get like part of an
0: areola. Sure, sure, and like yeah. that's
1: kind of a steamy scene. You know so. you didn't think the Age of Innocence was with its unbridled oh, I think I saw an ankle in that one. <laughs> yeah. Oh my. I was
0: scandalized, I tell you, scandalized. So okay, you say that you like a movie that teaches you how to watch it. Would you say that like the first like minute or two teaches you how to watch it?
1: Uh yeah, that they're yeah. they're mm-hmm. in the car, Definitely. they hear the noise in the trunk because one thing I noticed watching this movie uh, was that there is a constant interplay between like things are really fun and lighthearted and then quickly get serious. Sure. And like deathly serious yeah. often. And uh, that's kind of how this one starts. They're like, what is that? Is that a flat tire? What does that sound? <laughs> I don't know. It's pull over. They pull over and it's like, there's obviously someone moving around in their trunk. And also, got, like, like, why wasn't their first thought, oh, is it the person in the trunk? I know. But Like, they're about to open it up, and you've got, like, Robert De Niro with the shovel, like, okay, here <laughs> we go. It's like, it's pretty funny. Yeah. And then they open it, and then, you know, less than a minute later, you've got Joe Pesci stabbing him. Yeah. Multiple times. Yeah. And then it's Ray Liotta saying,
3: As far back as I could remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. <laughs>
1: title card they
0: are like okay movie you, you've already set the tone I'm ready for the next two and a half hours I mean to me this is sort of like the opening of like Blue Velvet where it's like you have this nice serene town and then the camera like goes under the ground you see all these like bugs like eating each other I was like this is sort of the same thing it's like you see like three well-dressed people driving a car at night mm-hmm they hear a noise come from the car, so they stop to investigate, and then just slightly under the veneer of this, like, coupe that they're driving is, like, a a half-dead body, like, writhing, and they just stab it to death. And it's, like, like, there's ultra-violence just so quickly from something so mundane just a moment ago. Well, it's fun, because, like, the very first shot, it opens on the shot of the trunk,
1: but you don't think... What's inside... Well, I don't think what's inside that trunk. I'm just like, oh, there's a car driving. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, And so, yeah, it's like he sets it up right at the beginning. And it's so funny. Like, yeah, I laughed. Well, yeah, because you don't think that, that would follow... Yeah. Kind of a brutal staffing scene. Yeah. But it, it like that sets the tone for the movie. It's like you're going to get a lot of ultra violence, and you're going to get comedy with yeah. it. And that's kind of the push and pull, I think, of this movie.
0: Yeah. And I don't know. There's something real attractive about that combination that I mean I don't know your overall feelings of the movie but like this is sort of an anytime movie for me like you put it on and like I just stop what I'm doing and I'm gonna watch it I like it a lot I've
1: watched it two maybe three times now and my problem is that like
0: once it's over it feels so slight that I just feel like I don't know what to say about it I mean that's sort of my thing I was like I don't I like this movie doesn't say anything about anything I feel but I also kind of feel like that's the point. You're supposed to be in the life and enjoying. Well, it's sort of be, the ride. Like kind of like, or it's sort of supposed to be sort of saying like, violence is fun. You know, if you look at it through this lens, even though it's like horrific at times. You know, as Quentin Tarantino would say, because, because it's so it. much fun, Chan. Get it? I mean, it is, and like no one really.
1: Well, no people pay. I was in this movie, but like. They, don't, oh, yeah, they, don't, I they mean,
0: don't pay in the way you think you're, they're gonna. Like, when they go to jail, and they're just like... Well, it's a big deal. Like, I'm watching this, like, jail's a fucking cakewalk for them. Yeah. Like, all they're doing is cooking all day. Yeah.
1: Uh to slice garlic with a razor blade. Who has time for that? Oh, I, people in jail.
0: People in jail. <laughs> well, I mean, food's a big deal in this. Oh, I... I really was hungry. I'm hungry now thinking about it. (laughs) Well, it's like, you know, cooking food in jail. It's the, you know, extreme close up of the garlic being cut by the razor blade. You know, there's the sauce in jail. Lobster. Lobster. Yeah. All right,
3: what'd you bring? All right, uh, some bread. Good. Fresh. Vinny, I got your peppers and onions. Salami, prosciutto, a lot of cheese. Come on, come on. What else? Scotch. Nice. Some red wine. Okay. No, we could eat. I got some white. Too. Give me the white too. Beautiful. Okay, boys, let's eat.
0: But even when he's out of jail, it's like, you know, there's a scene near the end where he's talking about the sauce he's going to make and his brother in the wheelchair has concerns mm-hmm. so the sauce yeah. doesn't stick and feel cutlets that he. When he, they
1: show up at uh, Joe Pesci's mom's house, she's like, like I'll she's like, making food. Food, make your
0: food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like food's always this big deal, which I grew up in an Italian household. That is 100%. like you go over to your grandmother your old italian grandmother let, let me make you a sandwich i have some roast beef i'll make you a sandwich like i just ate. i just ate but like that's just how they show affection is yeah. like they cook they make food and they shove it down your gullets
1: <laughs> well it's it uh the first uh, place that he learns to get into the mob is at a, at a restaurant. restaurant
0: right yeah tooties when you grow up italian that's what it is and it's like it It's ultimate Scorsese to me because it's got, you know, it starts out like sort of uh, a coming of age a little bit. Like it flashes back to him as a kid, skipping school, doing errands for the mob, you know, abusive family. Like his Mm -hmm. father beats him when he finds out that he's been skipping school. It's like that's a mainstay of Tarantino stuff. Catholic guilt, male hypocrisy. Like these are all things that like Scorsese loves. And, you know, he... Scorsese doesn't do a lot of female-led movies, sadly. He's got Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, and, like, that's it (laughs) for female-led movies. Hey, she won an Academy Award for that. The thing, when I think, you know, because I like my female-led movies, but, I don't know, we, we can talk about this right now, I guess, but it's like, do you want Scorsese to make movies that, like, he doesn't identify with? Not especially. Or should we just... Have more women filmmakers making those movies. Like why make Scorsese make these movies when we should just elevate other filmmakers who want to make those movies? I mean, I think it could be interesting,
1: but am I demanding it? No, because he actually I mean, I think of like uh Kate Blanchette in The Aviator, I think of Michelle Pfeiffer in uh, Age, of Innocence. Age of Innocence, or even uh, why not a writer in Age of Innocence? Like He's still like peppers and interesting women. And in this movie, uh the what's her name? The wife, I can't remember the actress's name. Uh,
0: uh Lorraine Bronco. Yeah. She's got a great arc. Like uh Harvey Keitel's wife. Oh, how about that? Oh, I mean, this is one of her fine she she's also she uh, well I mean, there's a lot of people. All of everybody went under the, the Sopranos, sopranos yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh but Which I mean so she funny. she has one of the biggest parts because she's Tony Soprano's therapist. Oh, okay. Uh who's I don't know if she's in every episode because it's been a long since I've watched it, but definitely one of the more important characters. Like, you know, Big Pussy is in this, but he dies after the first season of The Sopranos. Big Pussy. Yeah, Big Pussy is his name. I don't
1: know. I've never seen The Sopranos. Oh, you should. It's good. Yeah, everyone says so. Prestige television. Look at that full
0: circle. <laughs> but it, and and actually, you kind of guided the conversation right where I wanted it to be because I actually think that he even though his movies aren't female-centric, which makes me sad, the female roles aren't one-dimensional yeah. in his oh, movies. Sharon Stone in Casino Sharon is another St- great example. Jessica Lange in Cape Fear is amazing. And so is Juliette Lewis. Yeah, yeah. Juliette Lewis got nominated for an Academy Award for her performance in Cape Fear. That's right. And Margot Robbie in Wolf of Wall Street is amazing. Right. I also think that like Scorsese likes movies about... People operating in in an immoral world, and that happens to uh, uh, be populated by a bunch of uh, white guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, it's like, I don't know. I feel like instead of like berating Scorsese for not making more female centric movies, we should just have people who want to tell those stories tell those stories, and he can keep making his gangster movies.
1: Yeah, and also just you know be happy that the women who are in his movies have interesting parts.
0: Yeah, generally. Like, and like, cause he's still concerned. Like, they're not just accessories to men. Like, in this, like the fucking narration shifts. She, she gets some voiceover. She's like the technically like the star of the movie for a portion of it. Like, yeah.
3: I know there are women like my best friends who would have gotten out of there the minute their boyfriend gave them a gun to hide, but I didn't. I gotta admit the truth. It turned me on.
1: There are parts where we're following her storyline. Yeah, as opposed to Ray Liotta's. Can, okay,
0: can I ask you a question? Yeah. Do you think Ray Liotta's the right choice for this <sighs> role? Well, yes and no, because I think it. I think it was important to have sort of a, a lesser known actor for the part. Okay. Because I want it, it. I think the it's an important part for someone who is in slightly over their head. Okay. But two. There's a certain look that Scorsese likes in his leading men that I don't necessarily agree with, but I think it's like why he puts Leo DiCaprio in all of his movies. Like there's a look that he likes and Ray Liotta has that look. Okay. Do you not like Ray Liotta in this? I cannot put my finger
1: on it. I think he's good. And the best I can come up with is that in comparison with our other leads of Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci, who are, just act, they're in a different league they're acting the shit out of this movie like he as our main character he doesn't he just doesn't have it enough for okay. me okay okay and i don't know what it is because he's fine he needs to go back to his shantex commercials or whatever <laughs> he's better than fine like he's he's good i just i want this
0: role and this person to knock it out of the park I and mean,
1: he, he just doesn't quite do
0: it. De Niro me. and Pesci, sort of like how Scorsese like can be his own genre of of film or director. Like, De Niro and Pesci are sort of their own genre of acting yeah, style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Ray Liotta is not, unfortunately. Oh, like, no. he He's good, but it's like, yeah, you put him next to these people, and he kind of gets swallowed up a little bit.
1: I played a game with myself where I was like, who would I want? And I'm like... I don't know, actor around this time, like, Andy Garcia. Like, Mm, mm. I can't... I couldn't even come up with anybody. So, it's like, it may as well be really... Like, it's not a sore spot, but there were just moments where I'm like, you're not taking me where I want you to take me. Okay. And... It's just a little frustrating. It's a little frustrating. I mean, yeah, it's a little frustrating. (laughs) Nitpicking,
0: but... (laughs) I mean, yeah, because the two people that he has to act against most frequently are something else I do like, really like Joe Pesci in this movie oh my god so on the topic of Joe Pesci and you being a, a audio engineer yourself the sound design in this movie feels very different to me mm. than most movies okay <laughs> part of it is that there's like constant sound there's either a soundtrack playing there's near n- near constant soundtrack there's people talking constantly there's Foley of like glasses clinking ice dishes things like that but frequently this movie will be silent like the uh uh you know how the fuck am I funny to you yeah it goes to silence and it's like that's like the main driving like anxiety point is that it's quiet
3: You're right. funny how just... what just you know, you're you're funny <laughs> You mean let so? I me mean, understand this cause I, I you know, maybe it's me I'm a little fucked up, maybe. But I'm funny how? I mean funny, like I'm a clown, I amuse you. I make you laugh, I'm here to fucking amuse you. What do you mean funny? Funny how? How am I funny?
0: There's a couple times in the movie where it's like because the soundtrack is constant, because the people talking are constant, that are talking over each other, uh, and there's sound effects on top of it, that it's like the movie chooses to be quiet at certain points and it draws attention to it like when uh when when robert de niro is telling lorraine bronco like oh there's some furs down that alleyway oh yeah and like it just all the sounds cut out
3: go ahead sweetheart i'll see you thanks jim don't worry don't worry i'll try all right don't forget you gotta call me all right over here right down there
0: To me, like there was a couple times with the sound design where it's like it almost doesn't matter what they're saying. You're supposed to just be watching them say it.
2: Yeah.
0: Probably most prominently was uh they had just done the really big score at the airport. Okay. And oh. they, they were meeting at the bar and they were like, you know, don't, don't make any big purchases and what's his face buys that fucking pink Cadillac. You know, that my that, wife
1: likes it. That Mary
0: Kay pink Cadillac. <laughs> And it has that Christmas song playing while Robert De Niro's like yelling at him, and really the music's as loud as Robert De Niro's dialogue. And you can't really pick up on what he's saying a lot of the times and that you just know he's pissed. Johnny, are you are you nuts?
3: What are you What's getting excited about? for, Jimmy? What am I getting excited for? Are you stupid? We got a million fucking bulls out there. Everybody's watching us, and you get a fucking car. Are you telling me under I'm excited? M- my mother's name? It's a wedding gift. I don't give a fuck whose name it's on. Are you stupid or what? Did you hear what I said? Don't buy anything, don't get anything, nothing big. Did you hear what I said? I'm What's so the matter so with you? you? What are you getting excited for? What Jim? am I getting excited about? Because you're gonna get us all fucking pinched. That's why. What are you, stupid? What's the so matter so with I you? I apologize. What's the matter with you? I'm sorry. The fuck is the matter with you?
0: I really couldn't understand what he was saying for part of it. Cause like the music was so loud, but it didn't matter what he was saying. I already knew that he was mad and it, I don't know. It's sort of like a, a cacophonous symphony in a lot of these things yeah. where you're just, you're picking up on a lot of different sound cues. Like you're hearing the dialogue. You don't know what they're saying. You're hearing the music, but you're seeing like this violence, like someone getting like, the shit kicked out of them.
1: This movie is an inundation, a little bit of, of the senses. Like, because there's lots of quick cuts. There's lots of flashy uh, style choices. The soundtrack is near constant in a good way. I would say, while you're watching it, you don't. It doesn't even matter because it's like the inundation is part of it. It just keeps you. It keeps you engaged mm-hmm. somehow. I don't know. Like he's good at, at doing that somehow. That that spell because that can make you check out too. Like if it's just constant sensory overload, I can. I I, I will check out of a movie for for that. So well, yeah, I
0: mean you know when when I watch like an action movie and it's loud for like ten, fifteen, twenty minutes of time, then it doesn't seem like anything's loud. Yeah. Like I think of Tony Scott. is is a good example
1: where it's like it's just he's doing that too he's like oh i'm gonna throw all the all the tricks at the uh, at you and you're kind of just like confused but also just i I don't know like it's it's it doesn't engage me Mm -hmm. but for some reason here it's used well enough that
0: i just i I don't want to ever look away yeah one of the things that i noticed with the the soundtrack specifically is like it's all like 50s songs you know you got your your perry comos your robert Goulet's. you know Supreme.
1: all these
0: uh yeah but the first time that we hear a rock song or this is like a psychedelic song is when joe pesci beats yeah. the shit out of that guy at the bar the mm-hmm. made man like that's the first time that you hear like rock music and like when i watch the movie it's like anytime they play rock music is like when they're treading on dangerous waters. Oh, I think
1: of uh, Inagata Devita and that slow mo shot on on De Niro. Yeah, so
0: good. <laughs> That's right when he's like, "I'm gonna kill
1: some people." Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it's like right after X-rated favorite Paul Sorvino. Paul, oh, yeah, we haven't even talked about Paul Sorvino. <laughs> tells Henry like, "Don't deal in drugs. Like we're all on probation. Like we can't take the risk. Don't do it." And then, like, of course, it cuts to him, like, in his apartment with Debbie Mazar, like, dealing you know, doing all the cocaine. <laughs> and, like, that's when it's, like, Rolling Stones, Gimme Shelter, right. and stuff like that. Like, anytime there's a rock song, it seems to, like, be an indication that they're, like, treading on dangerous ground. Okay. Uh, and it's just, it's super subtle because, like, the soundtrack is near constant. And it's, like, would the average moviegoer really notice that? Maybe not, but like, also maybe on like a subconscious level, totally, yeah. Like now that it's going away from like easy listening lounge singers into this new territory, like maybe you would pick up on a sensory difference. Sure. Oh my god! Can we go back to Paul Sorvino? Yeah, so Paul Sorvino,
1: so good in this movie. I mean, he's always good, but like, if you've seen Repo. And then you watch this movie. It's like the weight and intimidation he brings to the role of Polly. And if you've seen him in other things, like he's a he can be a jolly guy. Yeah, like he's a very charismatic person. He
0: scares the shit out of me. He's so intimidating. You know, Polly didn't move fast because Polly didn't have to move for anybody. Oh. And it's like you get it. And we talked about it in Nixon because he plays Henry Kissinger. Henry Kissinger. Where it's like some his daughter, Mira Sorvino,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh was dating someone who like was mean to her or I don't think he hit her but was like mean to her or something. Yeah, she called her dad and he yeah. showed up
1: because he was a federal marshal with a
0: gun. <laughs> and it's like this is the movie that I'm like if I was dating Paul Sorvino's kid, I would tread fucking lightly. Yeah. <laughs> Call him sir? Yes like bring gifts (laughs) I just yeah like you understand like when he like walks out of that like restaurant or whatever and he's like hey and everyone just shuts the fuck up and like starts acting circumspect again it's like we all understand it yeah this is is this our fourth Paul Sorvino movie I think we've only done this
1: Repo and Nixon he was in Cruising. that's right he was in Cruisin Yeah. yeah so yeah totally I fucking love Paul Sorvino. Yeah, he's
0: so fucking good. He's really, really good. And what a range. Just the movies we've listed here. Well, yeah, because like this one, he's like the stoic sort of like he's not like a mob boss, but he's like he's Quite high up enough on the food chain. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, between this and like you never, never be able to tell that like, you know, six years later, he's playing Henry Kissinger. Yeah. And, then, uh, uh, ten and six years, years after prior, that. he yeah. Ten years after that, he's singing opera. Uh, and but like you know, eight years prior to this, he's playing like an undercover detective. Right. Yeah. Love the guy. He's so good. He's so good, and he's got that quiet, like understated performance to him, where like he's so perfect for the role because like he doesn't say or do much, but like whatever he does or says has gravity. Yeah. And I don't know how to how you do that as an actor
1: because it's he's not even doing much he's just kind of on screen but
0: quiet yeah and something about just his presence is enough he's just got that like really like alpha male presence to him where it's just like oh yeah don't fuck with that one yeah like you don't need to see him do anything he, he doesn't has that do anything. Aura. no he doesn't like, he cuts that garlic so thin that it melts in the olive oil <laughs> but like we don't see him physically hurt anybody or even
1: like put a call out on anybody no like we just know he's intimidating and scary and you don't fuck with Polly. yeah and And we all get it yeah (laughs) you believe it we're just yeah don't don't fuck with that guy and you you feel how disappointing it is at the end when he's like oh you fucked up and he like hands him 3200 bucks and is like don't ever talk to me again yeah and like you feel that devastation
3: 3200 bucks that's what he gave me $3,200 Thirty-two hundred bucks for a lifetime wasn't even enough to pay for the coffin.
0: So at the beginning, or near the beginning, in the first thirty minutes of this movie, or something, uh, when uh, Henry's a kid right. and he gets arrested and he gets hauled oh. off to jail, yeah, but like he doesn't say or do anything, and you know nothing bad happens. It's like we've spent like the whole thirty minutes talking about how like he admires these people, he wants to be a gangster, he wants to be part of this crew, he wants to you know get in good. He gets arrested. He goes to court. He gets out, and everybody's there to tell him what a good job he's done. It's like... Hey,
3: here he is. Here he is.
2: Oh, you broke your cherry.
0: He feels ashamed, but then everybody he admires comes to congratulate him and support him for doing a good job. It's like positive reinforcement for him it's like i can do all the bad shit i want and i can even get caught but so long as i don't rat on my friends and i don't snitch then it's all good like i don't know it's just like i feel his enthusiasm a little bit like as like a young kid oh yeah because it's just like you know you spend all this time trying to get in good with people And, like, right when you feel that you've let them down is the moment where they all come to to support and congratulate you. Like, I don't know. Like, it's just, it's it's a great narration. Like, it's good storytelling right there. Because, like, I'm just on board with Henry when he gets out. Like, I understand his jubilation there. Yeah. Even though, like, it doesn't say, like, oh, this was the best day of my life or something.
1: No. I mean, that's the last scene we see of him as a kid. But two things on that. Number one... I really like the kid casting in this movie, which is something I never say. Okay. I think that they look, both the Joe Pesci and the uh, Ray Liotta kids. Okay, yeah. Kind of look like them and act like them. Okay. Uh, so, good job on that. Uh, second of all, that scene when he's leaving the court and uh, Robert De Niro says... Never run on your friends
3: and always keep your mouth shut.
1: The second he said that, like, I already know that's going to come back. And it does when uh, Joe Pesci kills that one dude... And everyone's asking like Polly specifically is asking is like, they're on my ass. Do you know anything about this guy? You're one of the last people to see him and keep your mouth shut. Don't run on your friends. Like that's it's like it's all come back. And like when it gets into like the messiness of the family. Right.
0: Like, well, now we've got some drama going on. (laughs) So you know who the uh, cinematographer was on this? Uh, Why don't you tell me? Michael Ballhouse. <gasps> Michael Ballhouse. Of uh uh fast fame. fame.
1: Yes. He's done The ones. Bitter Tears
0: of Petra von Kant.
1: Exactly. And uh he did one of the other ones. Martha, maybe? He did Martha. Yeah. Yes. And I think he's done another X rated movie, if I remember correctly, but
0: He did After Hours. Okay. Uh, he did Age of Innocence. Oh, he did broadcast news. Broadcast news. Uh, he's done. Yeah, he's done a bunch of movies. Michael B. Okay, Matt. If we're talking about cinematography, you so much. I'll see you later. there's a wonder in this movie. Well, this is like one of the most famous wonders ever. Is it not a thing of beauty? Like I, I've seen it. I've, wa- I've watched. I have a whole preamble the- for this. Runner. Oh, do you want to get it? Do you want? Do you want it to <laughs> no, go no. Back? You, say what you're gonna say. I'll say what I'm gonna say. Just I've uh, <laughs> I've watched it
1: on YouTube, independent of this movie, many times because it always comes up when people are talking about Runners, and just in the context of the movie, it's just such a thing of beauty. Like I think of the blocking, the amount of time it took to get
0: everybody like. Back to one. <laughs> <I know>. Oh, <laughs> can you imagine like getting all the way inside Every the club and you like, all right, back to one people. Ugh, this is
1: all you did that day. You did this, I don't know, for five, a week. five times. <laughs> and you're like, this we're this done. A, yeah. Just there's a sh- there's a part where they're in the kitchen and I see this guy coming at me with a rack of glasses and I'm like, uh oh, that's gonna be a problem. And he walks in front of the camera between the people we're following. It's like the cow and gremlins too. Ah. Uh. It's just... and They bring in the table with the
0: tablecloth on it, and they set up the light. It's just insane. So, I can't remember his name, but he used to be, like, the host of uh, uh,
2: TCM, Turn Classic Movies. Uh uh
0: And, like, he, he would, like, talk before a movie or, like, you know, during ad breaks or, like, you know, as we're returning from an ad break. And he said that, like... All of like, his little speeches that he would say, he wanted aimed at three people. And I only remember two people, because <laughs> it was from an interview I, I listened to. But the two main audiences that he always tried to like gear his little intros for were, one, his film school snob buddies. like He wanted to say something that would be interesting to them. But he also wanted it to be interesting to his aunt that he was really close with. Who knew nothing about movies or film form? Okay, just liked watching movies. Okay, and so he's whatever intro he had. He's like, it has to be interesting to both of them at the same time. And I feel like this one-er is interesting to both those people. That if you were watching it not knowing what a oneer was or how hard it is you would just what? kind of be taken in because the the scene itself is very engrossing It's you, them sneak getting in getting you, get, get past getting the in line, you know like. yeah yeah they're, they're they're at the copa the copa cabana the copa cabana <laughs> like, like starting outside going down the stairs through the kitchen into like the copa proper where they get a little one of those little club tables where everyone's knees are touching in right front They get a Dom Perignon. And it's like, you know, if you didn't know how hard a winner was, you would just think that's a really interesting scene because, you know, you got the music playing. It's keeping it jumpy. But, like, if you know or have an idea of how hard it is, to do this where you have to switch the lighting from outdoor to indoor from brightly lit kitchen to dimly lit club space with all these people moving in Just front of the, the camera. Yeah, the blocking is, is the one where I was like, fuck. <sighs> it's like, I'm getting like a mild anxiety thinking about the logistics of this one. And it's not flashy. It's not like a gravity where there's all sorts of shit happening that like draws your attention to it. It's like he just did this because he wanted to show off. But if you didn't know that he was showing off, you might not even notice it. It has this wonderful balance between the two things.
1: It's beautiful. It really is like a a special thing. I really enjoyed it. And it comes in, what, 40 minutes in, Mm -hmm. 30 minutes in? It's not even like, like like, here's the the centerpiece of my film. No. It's it's just just sort of like, meh. Here's a, here's a technique I know. and uh. But it,
0: it's also like, you know, gimmicks are fine in movies if it's justified. And I feel like this is a scene where he's trying to impress wow, her. Yeah.
1: And we as filmgoers want to be
0: feel impressed. Right. So it's so. like we're impressed by the craft of this movie in a scene where Henry is trying to impress a would-be girlfriend. Yeah. And it's like it's it just it serves fits. the movie. It serves the movie. Absolutely, good job, Ryan. Thank you.
1: There's another winner, uh, not as impressive, but in that tiki bar when like he's going through and introducing like everybody.
3: There was Jimmy and Tommy and me, and there was Anthony Stabile. Yeah, you doing? Know Frankie Carbone. Wait, good and then there was Mo Black's brother, Fat Andy. And his guys, Frankie the Wop, Freddy No-Nose. And then there was Pete the Killer, who was Sally Balls' brother. And you had Nicky Eyes. What's And Mikey Francesi. I saw that guy. Yeah, I want to see him. And Jimmy, two times, who got that nickname because he said everything twice. Like, I'm gonna go get the papers, get the papers.
1: That's a pretty long shot, too. That is a pretty long shot. Behind the bar. It
0: also varies between the narrator talking and you hearing what the people are saying, which is probably pretty hard,
1: too. And I was like, well, this is another impressive one. Like, I think it's a second place for sure. And I think that there actually is a cut in what would have been a longer oneer for probably reasons. I don't, I have no idea. But like, uh, Still, like you know, you could tell that he was trying to do it again. It still is impressive, I think. Like it's, it's still probably a pretty decent long shot. And like with people turning to camera to say lines and stuff, like that's hard.
0: Yeah. And then there's sort of a similar shot later at the wedding when, oh, the, the in, pol- and and Karen Lorraine Bronco's character is uh, uh, narrating. And he's like, you know, I was I was being introduced to all of Henry's family. It was unbelievable.
3: I want you to meet Paulie Jr., my nephew. And this is Petey. There must have been two dozen Peters and Pauls at the wedding.
2: This is Marie.
3: Plus, they were all married to girls named Marie.
2: Beautiful. She looks Italian. Yeah, she looks Italian. You're yeah, right. <laughs> and they named
0: all their daughters Marie. This
2: is Marie. And this is Pete.
3: No, I mean Paulie. I get confused myself.
0: And, like, it kind of does that where, like, it... it Goes up and down, and like you see her shaking all these like endless array of hands. And she says, I think she's like, I was dizzy, I was dizzy by the end. And this is one of those things because you know, for to me, and you know, I'm not the biggest like gangster movie watcher, but really, like the Godfather kind of defined gangster movies for a while, sure. But like Godfather and Goodfellas are very different movies in terms of like tone and craft. Mm And sometimes there's little bits in this that I think are almost purposely referencing the Godfather. I can see that. And one of them is in the wedding scene because, of course, the Godfather starts out the day of his daughter's wedding. Everyone is putting little envelopes of money in the bride's bag or whatever. And at, at some point in the Godfather, that's happening with Talia Shire and because she's marrying Jimmy Kahn. And someone says, like, oh, $25, $30,000 in that bag, but no one's going to touch it. And like the same thing is done here, but it's done differently. Yeah. Where it's like, she's like, where's the she's oh, paranoid? Where, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's the same thing because it's like everyone's giving her money and it's just in this little bag. But like, no, no, no. It's a wedding. No one's going to mess with it here. Not here. But uh,
1: Ooh, like, I thought about that. I was like, can you imagine the repercussions if you stole money from a wedding? A
0: mob wedding? A mob wedding. <laughs>
1: She was marrying Ooh. the mob. They, they fucking torture people for that. Stuff. Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. That's just you just don't do it. <laughs> I do like how it shifts narration because it kind of adds a little variety. I feel like if we had had Henry narrating the whole time, it would have like at least approached monotonous, if not actually being monotonous. Well, It implies that like this story isn't just about him. Yeah, like his actions affected other people. Yeah, and
1: that's nice. Like, yeah, it's nice to know that. Like, oh, my wife, my wife was wow. affected by my choices. Topical. <laughs> you know, like it's and it's interesting to get her perspective on it because, like,
2: well, because a gangster if, movie,
0: you know, really primarily are male centric. Like, other than Married to the Mob, we don't have a lot of like female perspectives in a gangster movie
1: yeah and we know why why men are seduced into this like sure it it, it always makes sense but like we're not really like oh henry was
0: wrong for doing all this stuff like we kind of understand why he was seduced into it but then like you
1: ask yourself like well, why do they have these wives and it's like it is interesting in this movie because it's like for her you know That there's that scene where the cops come over and she's they're like, We have a search warrant, she's just
0: like, Okay, Mm -hmm. sign. Want some coffee? Yeah. Yeah. And then like sits down and watches TV while they go through. And she talks about like how other wives spit on their shoes and like make a big deal but spit on their own floor.
3: (laughs) I always asked them if they wanted coffee. Some of the wives, like Mickey Conway, used to curse at them and spit on the floor. She used to spit on her own floor. That never made any sense to me.
0: But, like, yeah, like, she she sort of understands, like, you know, she bought this ticket. Like, she knows what she's in for. Uh, and she's,
1: the whole movie, she really is just like,
0: all right, I know what I'm doing. I know well, I'm until Henry gets a girlfriend and, like, puts her up in that apartment. I love, like, when she goes over to that apartment <laughs> Buzzes everybody. Every-
1: <laughs> Palming all the buzzers.
2: Answer me!
3: I'm going to tell everyone who walks in this building that in 2R, Rossi, you are nothing but a whore. the Superintendent. Yes, I want you to know, sir, that you have a whore living in 2R. Rossi. Janice Rossi. Do you hear me?
0: Movies male-centric, you know told from from his point of view but have you ever sympathized more with a female character oh, yeah. in a movie like I felt Karen's pain so much in this it's like because it's it's all, like, the religious guilt thing, which is, like, a big thing in Scorsese movies. And it's, like, you know, you marry someone, and it's just that person for the rest of your life. And, of course, Henry doesn't give a fuck about that. Well, like, yeah, and that's a very he, Catholic thing, too. It, it's like. a very Catholic thing. And he's putting, you know, a girlfriend up in a hotel – or not in a hotel, but a, an apartment fully furnished the, like, on Henry's dime.
2: Yeah.
0: And, like, you know what? Like, if I was in Karen's shoes – I'd feel the exact same fucking way. And I'd be f- fucking yelling it to everyone who'd listen. Everyone in that apartment. Janice Rossi is a whore.
1: <laughs> Two screaming kids. She gets a cool shot, too, where she's like straddling him with the gun.
2: Oh. And it's a POV. Like I'm
1: like, again, this is why I love Scorsese now. Like, he's so good at varying up just shots. We get this staring down the barrel Intense of a gun. Intense
0: close up. Yeah, of
1: your pissed off wife. <laughs> it's just—it's real nice, and she gets to do all that. It's—it's it's fun. It's fun for her. It's fun for us as an audience. And that's another like- scene
0: where it's quiet. Karen,
3: just put it down. You know I love.
0: And then he slaps her, and they fall off the bed, yeah. and he wrestles the gun out. and But, like, that's another scene where, like, it all just quiets down. Like, we have this whole cacophony of people talking and foley and music, and then it just stops for, like, this really intense scene. Yeah. I don't know. that To me, I like that idea of sound design, because something like The Godfather, which is mostly quiet, like, there is a soundtrack, and, of course, there's sound design, But it's a mostly quiet movie. So you have this almost like conscious reaction of being a mostly like loud movie Mm -hmm. where all like the really tense scenes are silent.
1: I don't know. Maybe I'm overstepping myself and let me know as an Italian. Like Italian people like to talk. They're very loud (laughs) and it's a lot of talking over each other. And uh, so when like things go quiet, like that's when serious stuff is happening.
0: I mean... You're not wrong, but offensive. <laughs> okay. That's fair. Now, the Italian side of my family is much more dramatic than the the the, the uh, Germanic side of my family. Okay. But no, like, you know, part of it is like culturally like Italian people are very expressive, but then, you know, Catholic, you're being repressed <laughs> of your true emotions. So, something's got to spill out somewhere. Yeah. But Karen's Jewish, like they they had to like fake his Jewishness at the beginning, and they yeah. have that Jewish wedding. So, yeah, I I I don't know the uh, the decor in this movie. Like Matt, the production. that's exactly where,
1: was, where my mind was going. Like when they get that like eighties Coke house uh. with the like gold wallpaper
0: the the fucking huge remote control where she flips this mammoth switch and like the, and flintstone, the wall. flintstone wall opens for like this eight inch tv <laughs> with a smaller, record player smaller on than it. my computer monitor it materially smaller <laughs> but oh the design
1: though it's crazy like,
0: like all aspects of the production design like the fucking hair especially like the hair on the women in this movie oh yeah but i was just thinking like when henry goes to uh pick up karen and he has the cross necklace mm-hmm. and it's like you know the leisure suit sort of look like half unbuttoned she's like no no, no button it up i told her you were half jewish i uh-huh. told my mother you were half jewish i'm like the- just the production design, this top-notch, like... Yeah,
1: uh, there's lots... There's always something to look at in the frame, which they're is really nice.
0: e- Even just, like, you know, they're in the Copa or in the bar, like, there's something to really admire, and it helps create the illusion more properly that, like, you're actually back in, like, 1960 or 1970 or 1980, like...
1: Or at least just, like, yeah, keep you engaged, so because uh, I never saw any houses like that growing up but like it feels like somebody with mm, questionable taste <laughs> what might like with money might choose this so
0: oh fuck yeah when when she fucking flips that switch and like yeah the Flintstones wall I'm like oh my god this is just the tackiest fucking thing the I've wall- ever there's seen
1: there's like that scene after uh, he finds out that she flushed all the coke oh, in yeah. their bedroom and that wallpaper is like Zigzag dots, it's, yeah, but black with like shiny circles, and I'm just like, I know that there's like gravitas to what's going on here, but all I can think about is the stupid wallpaper, <laughs> <laughs> which I don't think is a, a a mistake. Like it's like it should be kind of funny in that moment, you know? I, like well, it's that's supposed the push to be and sort pull. of gaudy, I think. Yeah, that's the push and pull of this movie. Is like you know we're we're we've got serious things going on but it's also kind of funny because these people are kind of funny Like the mob is kind I of i mean funny. it's sort of
0: ridiculous i guess it's it's, it's like comical to us because it's like you know tommy joe pesci's character is stabbing that guy in the trunk and then like all my life i wanted to be a gangster it's like really mm-hmm. <laughs> all your life you wanted to do shit like this i guess that comes around now and i'm
1: thinking about it because it's like that scene that Joe Pesci has, where he's like, "Oh, I'm funny," yeah. In what way? And it's like, don't take the mob lightly, even though this movie invites you to, yeah, because like it
0: also is a very serious thing. Well, uh, so there's a scene like they're playing a poker game, and it's the oh, dance, the spider scene, thing? yeah, and Spider also someone who uh, shows up later in Sopranos. He's Christopher, and it's like. Tommy, Joe Pesci's character, like pulls out that gun and like swings it around. And everyone at the goes, Whoa! What are you <laughs> doing? Like, everyone's like, You're a fuckhead right now. Yeah. And he's like, Dance. And like, he shoots the dude in the foot. And then, you know, when Spider, you know, a scene later is like, Go fuck, fuck. yourself, Tommy. Yeah. And everyone at the game is like, Oh, shit and everyone's like good for you spider don't take any shit from this guy and you can see fucking joe pesci just boiling with rage yeah. but you see it just in his eye he's not doing anything you see it in his eyes you're like he's going to kill spider this is going to end very badly for spider yeah. and yeah shoots him kills him and they have And to everyone's blood.
1: like what the fuck man
0: yeah, they're like, ah, where are the Take fucking, fucking shovels? Yeah. But it's like he dishes it out because
1: that was a joke. The do I amuse you was a joke. Right, right. But when someone else is giving him shit, he can't handle it. He can't. Because he's insecure.
0: Oh, Tommy? Yeah, yeah. hugely. <laughs> like the most insecure of anyone in this movie. But when it comes back to like bite him in the ass because the maid man told him to go get his fucking shine box and he couldn't handle it and beats the shit out of him and then stabs him a whole bunch. Like, it comes back. Like, they all tell him that he's going to be made and that there's going to be a party and that he's going to reach this new echelon of, of mob hierarchy. And he gets in there, and the room's empty. And even before anything bad happened, he goes, Oh, fuck. Yep. Oh, no. He knows. And he gets shot, and he's dead, and... You know, something I learned from watching Pain and Glory a couple of weeks ago good actors don't cry, they hold back their tears. Right. And uh, Jimmy Conway, Robert De Niro's character, when he gets the news that Tommy's been killed in this very circumspect phone call, I'm like, yeah, we did everything could, but he's gone. Like, you see exactly that, like him fighting to hold back his tears. Because, like, in this world, men do not cry. But this is his profound sadness. And so, like, he, like, slams the phone a whole bunch down. and But, like, he doesn't cry. He just turns it into anger. And, I, like, that was, for me, like, the best Bobby D performance we got in this. is like, when he gets the news that Tommy was, was offed. Like, just him getting angry at the phone, pushing down the whole phone booth. Yeah. It's just, like you feel how upset he is and like you feel like he can't cry because in this world men don't cry
1: i don't i mean i'll say it now i don't think this is a standout robert de niro performance it's a supporting role it is and he's just real good in it like i don't i don't want him to be more than what he is in this, this. is the
0: first time that uh marty and bobby worked together since King of Comedy, which was like 81 or 82. Yeah, and he doesn't even get first billing. I think Ray Liotta's top billed. Well, I mean, Ray Liotta's the star of the movie.
1: Well, but yeah, but like in another, if somebody, if there was some ego going on, you you know, Robert Jr. would probably push a little sway, but he's like, no, I know where I am you in know this.
0: guy that like eight years later made meet, meet the Fockers was, or Meet the Parents or whatever the first one was, like has a lot of ego to him.
1: Well, no, but but you know he could he could in that he moment could, he could he, yeah, he could he's an Academy Award winner I think at this point he could have played that card and he decided no you know it's
0: okay I know where I am in this Bobby D's not really into those politics though like like I think he'll show up for the Academy Awards but he's not really into it like I I think he'd rather. Just act even for like a shitty movie like Backdraft. Like, he spent like three weeks with like some New Jersey firemen to like figure out how they actually like talk and think and shit like that. Like, he did the full method even for a crappy movie like that. I'd be curious who he met with for Stardust. (laughs) You know, I haven't seen it. Also, uh, it's another Michelle Pfeiffer joined, if I remember correctly. It is. Um, I think you'd like it. I recommend it. De Niro, I don't want to say is necessarily like a director for hire. But he'll kind of do, like, whatever he thinks he can sink his teeth into. Mean actor for hire. Actor for hire, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. And so, yeah, I think he's like, yeah, I can do this part. And, yeah, like, him playing Jimmy Conway, real person, you know, and Henry Hill and Tommy and, like, all them were, were based on real people. I looked it up a couple of years ago when I rewatched this movie. Jimmy Conway died. Do they okay. say that at the end of the movie? Or oh, that he was serving a life sentence? Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember. And like Henry Hill, uh, Ray Liotta's character. When well, he's in the Witness Protection Program, how can you know? <laughs> I think we knew after he wrote the book. Yeah, I don't remember. Well, like, the, I, the, the book
1: was written by Blah Blah Pelegi, one of the Pelegis. Not related to Mitch Pelegi from The X Files. I don't want to get any further without talking about Maury's wigs. There's a wig commercial in this movie, Matt.
3: Don't buy wigs that come off at the wrong time. Maury's wigs don't come off, even underwater. And remember, Maury's wigs are tested against hurricane winds. Don't forget about money. You can afford a Maury wig priced to fit every budget, so call me now.
0: Is that not the best in-movie commercial since uh, 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 Cheddar Goblin in Mandy? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know why. Like, I've seen this movie like eight, nine times. And for some reason, when the wig commercial came out, I'm like, isn't it weird for this, like, very serious, very auteur movie to screech to a halt to show a wig commercial? Once
1: again, that he's throwing all the techniques, he's using every tool in the box. Like, hey why don't we do a shitty commercial VHS style commercial even stays on in the pool.
0: <laughs> like I laughed so hard. It's so weird in the flow of the movie. I'm like, and
1: you've got Bobby D just seething at it. <laughs> I know.
0: She's so angry.
1: <laughs> Cause it's again, it's that, it's that push and pull of funny and serious. Yeah. Cause it's like, we, the audience, are like, oh, this is a funny moment. And then it, like, pulls out to show Robert De Niro's character pissed off about it. And it's like, oh, no, I should be worried and upset. Right. And, like, it's just, it's it's that theme again, once again. It's like, oh, no, I can't ever delight too much because there's always violence or someone who's pissed off
0: about I it. I mean, and Maury's sort of a big character. Maury? <laughs> He shows up frequently throughout this movie.
1: Yeah, he's the one who's got the idea for that Lufthansa
0: heist. Yeah, yeah. and Multiple
1: yeah, he... heists in this movie.
0: Oh, yeah, I mean, well, it's a gangster movie. That's all it's about. I know, I just, I like a heist. But, yeah, he gets, like, fucking choked a little bit, and then choked for real later. Yeah. I have a note that uh, Maury died, but I, I don't
1: remember him dying in the movie. This is he... after the edible kicked in
0: gets in the car and gets choked mm. to death and then they like leave the car No they ice pick him in the back They ice yes the brain yeah, Tommy ice picked him in like the spinal cord Oh, it's
3: terrific. Yeah. Duncio, the-
1: oh, so this is another thing like Tommy's the one that you always call for hits and then at the end when uh Bobby D's like I need you to go to Florida for this hit, right? And it's like something's up. He's like I knew if I went to florida i'd
0: never come back right yeah like that's a nice uh callback well it's like they do go to florida and then like they they put that they tip that guy over in like the the, the zoo yeah and that's when they get arrested and karen comes to visit henry with the kids and she sees on the the roster that janice rossi came to visit him earlier that day let us sneak-
1: oh my god okay so on that note where she's pulling out all those delicious sausages yeah. yeah i lived in pittsburgh for a month when my mom was recovering from an operation mm-hmm. and before i had come out there my parents had discovered this tiny little italian grocery store and they're like we're gonna take you there when we showed up there was like one of those vans that's that that's like from old people homes like retirement homes kind of thing shuttles basically
0: Uh, okay yeah yeah yeah
1: that like as we pulled in the parking lot and as we're walking up to the store that one of those pulled up and like a array of old italian grandmas got out to go in there and i was like we're at the right place (laughs) i am so excited to eat this food now (laughs) and rest assured i just bought because i was making something with sausages i just bought the like house sausage i'm like give me like four links of that it was to this day, Matt, I think about that sausage. It was the best fucking sausage, and it was cheap, and it was just the shit like it's just their house sausage. It was like a dollar a link, maybe a dollar twenty five
0: yeah, you 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 go where the immigrants go like I remember when I was uh, dating a guy who was uh he was a Belarusian born in in uh, Belarus he's like oh let's go berry picking today and i was like berry picking he goes yeah we'll we'll make a pie with like the blueberries that we pick i was like okay so we went to this like abandoned vineyard like outside of like woodenville or something and the place was littered with russian immigrants like picking plums and blueberries i was like oh shit this is like a thing he goes yeah like today's like the first day where they're like finally like in season so you like, got to muscle in. Yeah, he's so like, push kinda, an old lady over. They don't yeah. care. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was like not no one at this like abandoned vineyard spoke English. And I was like, Jesus. Okay. I didn't realize, but there's a whole community. Yeah. here. Yeah. You go where the immigrants go. They know where to get a good deal, a screaming deal. Also Italian food. I love Italian food. Uh, yeah, you, you're always at the Olive Garden. <laughs> I I got you a gift certificate there for your birthday last year. I, I really appreciate that. But uh, there's a difference between
1: like, you know, Italian food I could make from ingredients at the QFC and getting stuff from that grocery store in Pittsburgh. And I know Italian food is simple, but it's like the ingredients matter and where you get them and how it's spiced. Like honest, real good Italian food is you've never had it. You haven't had it, probably. And when you do, you'll know. Because it's the shit. It's (laughs) so
0: fucking good. The end. My family was offended by the presence of an olive garden. Mm, That ain't Italian food. That ain't Italian food. Joe Pesci's mother in this movie was played by uh, uh, Martin Scorsese's real life I knew that! (laughs) Because I've
1: seen her on uh, David Letterman. Oh, really? Yeah, she's not. she makes like a lasagna with Martin Scorsese on David Letterman's show. Oh, see, there you go. Pause the podcast and watch it right now. <laughs> okay. It's real good. Robert De Niro comes over and eats this pizza.
3: And Robert De Niro loves it. He says, I make the best pizza in the whole world.
1: Uh-huh. Why is this different than other pizza?
0: Because it's made by me.
1: I think like when she shows him his painting, he's like, oh, you got one dog looking one way and one dog <laughs> yeah. looking the other. <laughs>
0: it's like, yeah, all right. I mean, I see the dogs looking different directions.
1: I don't know. It's just part of the cacophony, I suppose. Any other Goodfellas notes for you?
0: No, I forgot my my notepad at home, so I'm just going purely off memory here. But it's just a, a, a you know two and a half hours of a sensory sensation. I was worried because like in my mind when we got these movies, I was like, oh god, Goodfellas is three hours, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure Singing in the Rain is also like two and a half hours. So like when I went to go watch Goodfellas this weekend, and I looked, and it's like two. 25 it was like two and, and a half yeah. yeah
1: i remember it as three hours too it's two and a half
0: yeah two and a half. breezy two and a half hours oh, easily do and then yeah sing on the rain's like an hour 40 and i was like oh i gladly do this but i i thought i was gonna have to like buckle in for like an all day like six seven hour affair or something no they're good uh but yeah no i'm sure i have more to say on goodfellas but i forgot my notes at home so i just have to do with uh my memory
1: Well, if you have other things, just send me voicemails and I'll edit them in. Yeah, like I ever call you. I would feel weird if you did. At this point, this is when we normally do a preview of what's coming up, but we don't know what's coming up. We don't know what's
0: coming up, up. no. You know, at at the end of uh, Trouble Every Day, I was kind of... Or, no, at the end of Kick It and Screaming, when I was introducing Trouble Every Day, I did kind of mention that I felt like 200 was a good stopping point for a while. A time for for us to take a collective intermission. Yeah. I want a break. I want to know... I want to remember what it feels like to not have the pod
1: looming over me all the time. And, um... I think this will be good, and it doesn't mean that like it's never gonna come back. it just means that when it does, it's gonna be even better. I was gonna say we already got one episode recorded, so and we got people breathing down our necks for to record some, yeah, so and I don't mean that in a bad way, yeah, these bring are good it on. people, <laughs> yeah, maybe we can spill the beans a little bit. I think that like next uh the next ten episodes, when we get a season together, it's probably gonna be all guests again,
0: probably gonna have another guest fest yeah well we're gonna come back in like a big spectacular way you know like i was saying at the beginning of the episode this this tax year was rough on me and i'm feeling that like my my brain span is being stretched a little too far so i feel like rediscovering life over summer vacation will be good for us yeah
1: do you want to plug or junk or do you want to just skip that this time and end on on a
0: song Well, I mean, we did the big ones at the beginning, like reviews, Patreon. That was all at the beginning. Yeah, Uh, yeah, let's end with a song. Okay.
1: Today we did singing in the rain and good
0: fellas. And tomorrow is a mystery that we don't know. So...
1: Keep your eyes and ears peeled on your podcast app because you never know when we'll be coming
0: back. Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> that was beautiful. <laughs> but yeah, no, 201. It'll be a, an event. You'll know you'll Mm -hmm. know yeah we'll make a big deal about it we'll make it big to do yeah we'll make a big to do all
1: right well until that happens we love you enjoy your day enjoy your life and keep reaching for that that
0: rainbow. rainbow